Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. to the show. Hey, it is uh, Sunday, September 13, September 3rd, 2017, and we are live. We're about to go live on Facebook also, so let's get this started. All right. Okay, so we're live on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, the African History Network. How's everybody doing? Hotel. This is Michael M. Hotel, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. Today is Sunday, September 3rd, 2017, and we are live tonight. Okay, we have a lot to talk about, a lot going on. Normally, I'm on 9, 10 a.m. the Superstation, live on Sunday night, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But tonight, they're doing a, um, uh, because of the holiday, uh, they're rerunning uh, old, uh, you know, uh, old episodes of uh, all the shows. So I said, well, look, I'm going to come on, uh, I'm going to broadcast on Blog Talk Radio tonight and uh, do it live. 
Okay, we're going to do it live. So we're here. Uh, Call-in number is 914-338-1375. 914-338-1375 is the call-in number. If you have a question or comment, uh, press the number one key. Okay, uh, 914-338-1375. All right. Okay, so how's everybody doing? Um, we're live. Share this broadcast on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in also. And I'm going to post the information once again here and pin it. Uh, let's see. Let me look. We're broadcasting on um, Google, uh, Google Chrome. And um, let me pin this also. Okay, so those listening on Facebook, hopefully the audio is coming through well for you. It's been a very, very busy weekend. I did a, uh, uh online lecture yesterday, African-American resistance in the era of Donald Trump, voter suppression, reparations, and how elections have consequences. thought more people would um, have tuned in to that uh, because uh, the cost of it was only a dollar. I dealt with a lot of information that most people don't know, especially the people who talk about how elections uh who you vote for doesn't matter and elections don't have consequences and things like this. So you can still register for that. Um, uh, you can watch the, uh, watch it on demand, go to africanhistorynetwork.com, africanhistorynetwork.com. All right, let me try to post the information again for tonight's show here and pin it. Uh, okay. The audio is great. Okay. So, uh, let me pin this here. So share this um, broadcast on your Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in also. Okay, so on tonight's show, uh, first of all, you have a story coming out of uh, Philadelphia where the police union chief in Philadelphia has verbally attacked Black Lives Matter protesters. Okay, and he called them uh, a pack of rabid animals. And this was um, at a... Uh, he held, it was at an event. I think this was, I think this was at a um, Back the Blue event. Back the Blue event. Um, this was a rally that took place last week um, to support uh, police officers. We're going to talk about that story, okay? Because this is dealing with Black Lives Matter. This also ties into the protests that Colin Kaepernick launched uh, August of 2016, okay, against the abuse uh, against police misconduct, uh, the oppression of African-Americans and people of color, white supremacy, and he protested against the national anthem to draw attention to this. So we'll talk, we'll talk about that topic. Uh, also, uh, we know a couple of weeks ago we saw Cleveland Brown players, uh, it was 11 to 12 uh, Cleveland Brown uh, NFL players who uh, appeared to be uh, kneeling, uh, protesting the national anthem, okay? And uh, this got a lot of attention. We, we, I posted articles about this on our Facebook fan page. This is around August 21st, right? So since then, uh, you have this story coming out of uh, Cleveland where the uh, Cleveland pol- police union is pushing back against the Cleveland Browns players' protest, appeared protest, and they're refusing to hold a flag uh, at an upcoming game, refusing to hold, uh, hold the flag at an upcoming game. We're going to talk about that as well, okay, because once again, this ties into history, this ties into police misconduct, this ties into the Donald Trump regime, which is a law and order regime, a law and order regime. Uh, Donald Trump is against um, um, 
holding police officers accountable for the most part. He's against criminal justice reform. So is his attorney general, Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III. Uh, who's also against police reforms as well. Uh, we know Jeff Sessions has, has referred to this as uh, soft on crime. We've seen the reversal in policies uh, from the uh, Obama administration, right, that a lot of people didn't know existed. And I dealt with this yesterday, and I talked about this in Atlanta uh, at the Black Homeschooling Conference. I'll probably talk about this also in um, of this month. I'll be at the all-black convention in Louisville, Kentucky, with um, uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins, my friend Dr. Boyce Watkins, and uh, I think Killer Mike will be there, and some other people, they, uh, uh, some other people. Uh, Andre Hatchett, uh, probably Yvette Carnell from BreakingBrown.com will be there, and I'm going to deal with this there as well. Because elections have consequences. And, you know, I, I, I talked for months uh, leading up to the November 8th election and explained why Donald Trump would be detrimental for African-Americans. And I dealt with his policies and I dealt with Hillary Clinton's policies also. And I dealt with how many of Hillary Clinton's policies would be beneficial for the African-American community. I laid out the information, provided the evidence showing why. Because proper documentation ends our conversation. I don't, I don't deal with opinion. I deal with facts and evidence. And I showed how policies that President Obama had in place, Hillary Clinton was going to continue and how these would be beneficial for the African-American community. Okay. Unfortunately, too many of our people wanted to stay home or do other things. All right. So we're going to talk about this backlash against Cleveland Browns players. Then you have, uh, we've seen a lot um, explode since August 12th. Okay. We've seen a lot explode since August 12th, uh, uh, 2017 with the protests um, in Charlottesville, Virginia, okay? Uh, You had the Unite the Right rally, all right? The Unite the Right rally, and um, you had 12 white supremacist neo-Nazi organizations. Okay, I don't know why it's freezing up here on Facebook, all right? Um, We we have the link posted for, because we're broadcasting on Facebook Live also, okay? You can uh, uh, call in and listen by phone. 914-338-1375, 914-338-1375. 914-338-1375, 914-338-1375. You can listen by phone, and also you can listen um, uh, at the link we posted here on uh, Facebook as well. I don't know why it's freezing up, all right? Okay, so we have all that. Uh, so, so you have this blow up um, because of the protests that took place in Charlottesville, Virginia, all right? And... Okay, is it audio or video? Okay, testing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, on Facebook, it's acting up here. Just a minute here. Okay. So, uh, testing one, two, three, testing one, two, three. Testing, testing. Testing one, two, three. So, We've seen a number of protests take place since Charlottesville, Virginia. We've seen protests. Uh, can you all hear me on Facebook? Damn. All right, testing, testing, testing. Can you all hear me on Facebook? All right. I'm not sure why this is freezing up here on Facebook. All right. 
Okay, so so you you have these protests taking place, and um, you, we've seen a number of Confederate statues taken down also since then as well. We've seen a number of Confederate statues taken down as well. Okay, uh, we've seen Confederate statues in Baltimore. We've seen University of Kentucky. Uh, we've seen statues of J. Marion Sims uh, um, coming under fire in New York City. Uh, we, we've seen we, we've seen this protest. Okay, on Facebook, stand by um, because uh, I, I, I'm going to end this broadcast and restart it. I don't know I don't know what's going on. Okay, but I, I have a live show, so I have to keep going on. Um, those listening on Facebook, click on the link. Uh, we posted the information for tonight's show. It has the link. You see the picture of the Cleveland Browns players. Click on there. You can listen online. Okay. Um, I got. I have to. Uh, we're gonna start another broadcast here on Facebook. Okay. All right. Now it looks like it cleared up. I guess. All right. So, um, what's taking place now is you have a ten-day march from Charlottesville, Virginia, to Washington D.C. A ten-day march from Charlottesville, Virginia, to Washington D.C. And this ten-day march is to protest against um, uh, white supremacy and racism and also protest against the Donald Trump regime as well, okay? All right, so, um, okay, so, so on Facebook, can you, can you all hear me uh, and see me on Facebook? What's it doing now? Okay, let me know. All right, so this march is going on. It's, in, it's either in the sixth or seventh day. They're marching from Charlottesville, Virginia to Washington, D.C., all right? I've I found out about this in the beginning, uh, at the beginning of the march, and I've been following it. Uh, we sent out an email newsletter uh, where we talked about this also in the email newsletter. You can sign up for our email newsletter. Um, go to AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can sign up for our email newsletter there. Okay, also go to um, uh, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828. To sign up for our email newsletter as well. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828, to sign up for our email newsletter also. All right. So this march is continuing, and we're going to talk about that and talk about what the goals of this march is and, and uh, who's behind it also. All right. And then we know um, last year, um, last year the um, debate came out about putting Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill in place of Andrew Jackson, okay? And um, we know that uh, there was a group, uh, we, we know that um, the change is supposed to take place in uh, 2020, and 2020 is the 100th year anniversary of women getting the right to vote, okay? And there was, uh, um, I think the organization was called Women on 20s, uh, or something like that, but it, it was an um, a organization that was taking suggestions of different significant uh, women in history to put on not just the $20 bill, but also put on uh, other currencies as well, okay? So um, one of those women was Harriet Tubman that was picked, all right? And Harriet Tubman was supposed to replace, um, Harriet Tubman was supposed to replace uh, Andrew Jackson on the $20 bill, all right? Well, now under the Donald Trump administration, uh, that's in doubt. We'll talk about that uh, as well, okay? And 
you know, I heard I, I talked about this um, two years ago when they were taking suggestions of who to put on the um, $20 bill. All right. And this was not an attempt to try to appease African-Americans or anything like that when you actually research all that's behind it. Okay, so we'll talk about that also. All right. Now, on the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world, because right now it's correct wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself and what you allow other people to do to you is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you have been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard and seen about yourself. So when you control the uh, radius of a man's thoughts, uh, you can when you control the radius of a man's thoughts. You can control the circumference of his actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on the show. We deal with current events and history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828. To sign up for our email newsletter, also go to our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Sign up for our email newsletter there as well at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Okay. All right. So um, share this broadcast on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in. On Facebook, we have uh, Portia and Angela and, and Virginia and uh, who's this? Marcellus. Um, just a few of the people uh, watching us on Facebook. If you have a question or comment, you can call in at uh, 914-338-1375, 914-338-1375, press the number one key. You can listen by phone, and you can ask questions also, 914-338-1375, okay? Hey, I want to let you know that uh, we have a 48-hour sale going on at the African History Network. We appreciate the orders, appreciate the support that helps us stay on the air, keep broadcasting, pay the bills. This is this costs a I mean, I gotta pay blog talk money, money. I have to, blo- I have to, <laughs> I have to play blog. I have to pay blog talk radio their money when I do the online courses. I not only have to pay the learnworld.com, which is the online school. I have to pay them, but I also have to pay Crowdcast their money as well. People don't understand this. I mean, this stuff ain't free. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I'm just trying to tell you. So uh, we appreciate the. <laughs> support. We have a lot of uh, orders shipping out this week. Hey, but we have a 48-hour sale. You can get my latest bundle pack 50% off. The Reclaiming the African uh, Reclaiming the African Mind bundle pack uh, It's normally $50. It's on sale $25. It's a six DVD set. In that, DV- in that six DVD set, you get uh, my, my uh, DVD lecture African American Resistance in the Era of Donald Trump. African-American resistance in the era of Donald Trump, voter suppression, reparations, the high elections of consequences. There are um, actually two presentations. That's right, the three presentations on that DVD. You get my presentation, um, Malcolm X, 50 years later, why is he still relevant? Um, you get um, uh, there's some other presentations you get with that also. Let's see what else is it in that one. Uh, the Light of Ancient Egypt Awakens the African Mind. Um and uh, there's three other DVD lectures there. I can't remember. I got like 35 of my presentations on DVD. But it's on sale, $25. Visit AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, 
AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, okay, and uh, place your orders uh, there, and that's shipping out today. So uh, that's normally $50 for the, well, the regular price is about $85. It's discounted to 50 but we have a 24-hour sale where you get that bundle pack for only $25. That's a steal, just to me, because there's a lot of information. That's a six-DVD set, okay? So order that right now, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All right, so um, we're going to sh- – I need to share this broadcast. Share this broadcast on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in also. All right, so let's go to the first story here. Um, I want to deal with this uh, police union chief out of uh, Philadelphia, okay? So we know that um, – with the Black Lives Matter movement, one of the things they have been drawing attention to are, is the power that the police unions have, the power that the police unions have, and how they advocate on, the, on behalf of police. They um, uh, negotiate the police union contracts, uh, things like this. And usually when there's um, a situation where the police do something unlawful, and there's it's seen that they're doing something unlawful. The police unions usually don't speak out against that. Okay, I just find that very interesting. Police unions usually do not speak out against that. All right, it's going to be interesting to see. So we have the situation out of Cobb County, right in Georgia. And a year ago, you have video of this police officer. He pulls over a white female. And she's apprehensive about putting her hands down and giving him the information she, he's requesting, things like this. And he says, it's picked up by Dash Cam video, he says that, remember, we only uh, kill black people, okay? Because she says, you know, I've seen a uh, – uh, now, this happened in July of 2016, right around the time that Alton Sterling and Philando Castile were killed. And he says, remember, we only kill black people, Okay. Now, it's going to be interesting to see if the police union is going to come out and denounce his actions. I haven't heard anything about the police. I've been following that case. Okay. He said uh, the, the, the police chief recommended that the officer be fired. The officer said he's going to retire. The, la- the last word I heard that the officer said he's going to retire. It's a 28-year veteran of that police force. So it's going to be interesting to see if that police union that negotiated his contract He's going to denounce his actions and say, this, is, is, this, is, this can't be tolerated. We do not stand by this, anything like this. Or they're just going to sit back and be quiet. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Okay. Uh, Portia said, I did not catch the email code number. What are you talking about, Portia? Uh, what, 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 are you, what are you referring to? Okay, so we have this case out of Philadelphia, right? And... Uh, the root.com has an article about this as well as um, blackvoices.com, uh, Huffington Post blackvoices.com. Philadelphia police union head defends Nazi cop calls Black Lives Matter a pack of rabid animals. Philadelphia police union head defends Nazi cop and calls Black Lives Matter a pack of rabid animals. Okay. So his name is uh, John McNesby. He's the um, Fraternal Order of Police uh, Union chief for uh, Philadelphia, for the city of Philadelphia. All right. Now, we know the Fraternal Order of Police is the largest police union in the country. 
they're usually anti-Black Lives Matter. Uh, they usually don't have good things to say about the Black Lives Matter movement, things like this. And there was a uh, rally that took place uh, last week on a Thursday called uh, Back the Blue, B-A-C-K, Back the Blue, okay? And this was to protest Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kenney's new policy of releasing the names of officers who shoot anyone while on duty, okay? This was to protest Mayor Jim Kenney's new policy of releasing the names of officers who shoot anyone while on duty. Now, uh, McNesby, uh, he is the Philadelphia Fraternal Order of Police uh, Union Chief, I mean, uh, uh, Union President, okay? Philadelphia um, Fraternal Order of Police Union President. His name is John McNesby, okay? He showed his support of an officer who fatally shot a 20-year-old African-American man in the back, calling uh, those who protested the killing uh, of this African-American man, quote, a pack of rabid animals, a pack of rabid animals, all right? And he was referring to the Black Lives Matter protesters. Now, the uh, Huffington Post Black Voices uh, reported that the officer in that case, whose name is Ryan Pownall, P-O-W-N-A-L, Ryan Pownall, uh, fatally shot David Jones, who ran from a traffic stop on June 8th, uh, 2017. Now, this marks the second time that Ryan Officer Ryan Pownall has shot an African-American man in the back as he was fleeing. In 2010, uh, Officer Ryan Pownall also shot Carnell Williams Carney, who ran from uh, police while having an illegal gun on him, okay? Williams Carney, uh, Carnell Williams Carney is now paralyzed from the neck, neck down, and um, David Jones is dead, okay? So you had some uh, Black Lives Matter activists who exercised their First Amendment right to protest uh, the continued employment of an obviously poorly trained uh, police officer and John McNesby continued to rally behind the officer, as the police union chiefs usually do. Okay, I, I want to see an example where the police union chiefs say, uh, "No, we can't support this officer." Uh, I, I have yet, I, I don't remember a case. If you know of a case, hey, post a link here. Um, email me at info at africanhistorynetwork.com. Uh, info at africanhistorynetwork.com. If, if you have a case, I'm not saying it never happened in the history of the police unions. I'm not saying it never happened in the history of the United States of America, but I'm saying it's extremely rare. Okay. You have a, you, I, I probably have a better chance of getting a gold medal in female gymnastics than you do of having a police union chief come out and denounce the actions of a police officer. I, I probably have a better chance of, of winning a gold medal in female gymnastics than you probably have of having the police union chief denounce the uh, uh, actions of a police officer. All right. So I'm just saying. All right. So let's continue here. And if you have a question or comment, give us a call. 914-338-1375. 914-338-1375 is the call in number if you have a question or comment. And I'm going to post a link here also to the... Um, 
uh, Reclaiming the African Mind uh, bundle pack as well. Because um, that's on sale right now, um, 50% off. So we'll post that link also here on the thread. And you can go to our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. AfricanHistoryNetwork.com is right on the homepage of the website. Okay, so you had some Black Lives Matter activists who exercised their uh, First Amendment right uh, to protest the continued employment of, uh, of uh, Officer Ryan Parnell. So last Thursday, uh, John McNesby, the uh, Philadelphia Fraternal Order of Police Union uh, uh, president, uh, he called Black Lives Matter uh, protesters animals, and he, he called them animals. Uh, he actually called them a pack of rabbit animals. And as those who study the importance of language know, designating others uh, others subhuman, de- designating others as subhuman is the first step to having no remorse for shooting them down uh, in cold blood. Okay, so this is why I'm very cognizant uh, of the words that we use for our people. This is why I don't call our people n words and don't refer to our women as uh, the b word and hoes and things like this. Okay. And this is this is why we have to take a stand against music that dehumanizes and denigrates our people. I'm not against hip hop. I'm against negative hip hop. I'm not against hip hop. I'm against negative hip hop. Because one of the things, see, if you want to destroy a people, what you do is you put negative messages in their music because their music hits the children first. And you can totally destroy a group of people by attacking their children. Okay, and you put it in the music, you put it in the music videos. If you want to elevate the conscious level of a people and improve their self-esteem and cause them to uh, get involved in politics and fight back against white supremacy, you put those messages in the music. If you want to dumb down a people, if you want to dumb down a people, okay, and to suppress their ability to fight back. You put down, you put dumbed down messages in the music that encourage the violence, that encourage them, that encourage self-hatred, that encourage the dehumanization of their women. Okay. You put those messages in the music. All right. Okay. So this is why, so I've been studying media for 25 years. People see the, uh, the shirt here, Black Friday. So this is a documentary series that I'm in. Um, we have the documentaries available at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And uh, Black Friday deals with two main things. Number one, it deals with strategies, uh, practical strategies to recycle our $1.3 trillion economy, and then also strategies to build uh, intergenerational wealth as well. This is what the Black Friday uh, series uh, deals with, Okay build intergenerational wealth so we could pass on wealth to our children as opposed to passing on debt. It also deals with how, uh, where we get our concepts of money from, uh, from our parents, but also from the media. Okay. All right. So, uh, John McNesby at the, uh, uh, back to blue rally, uh, last week, Thursday, he said, quote, when you go to work each day, you shouldn't have to worry about, Uh, You shouldn't have to worry that a pack of rabid animals uh, will suddenly show up at your home and openly threaten your family. These are not activists. They are racist hate groups 
they are racist hate groups uh, determined to instigate violence. All right. So, this is, so he's calling Black Lives Matter a racist hate group. Black Lives Matter is not a racist hate group. He doesn't understand what racism is. Racism is a system of advantage and privilege distributed based upon race coming out of the ideology of white supremacy. Racism is a system of advantage and privilege distributed based upon race coming out of the ideology of white supremacy. Okay, racism occurs when one race of people control the majority of the wealth, power, resources, benefits, privileges, land, access to education, access to opportunity, and they use that to marginalize, subordinate, and do harm to another race of people. Okay, this is what racism is. Now, African Americans cannot be racist because we control 1.2% of the wealth in this country. We don't control enough of anything as a group to marginalize, subordinate, and do harm to another race of people. Racism is a group-to-group relationship. We can be bigots, but not racist. Racism is something on an entirely different level. Uh, You can read, I wrote an article about this, white racism versus black racism. Most people are confused about what racism is. Uh, Go to AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can read all of my articles there, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Okay? You can read all of my articles there. All right, so... um, John McNesby said, these are not activists. They are racist hate groups determined to instigate violence. All right. Now, uh, you had a, you had an incident where you had a police officer who had what appeared to be a Nazi tattoo, a Nazi tattoo. And John McNesby defended this officer. Okay. Uh, according to another uh, article from Huffington Post, uh, September of um, uh, 2016, Officer Ian Hans uh, Lichterman, L-I-C-H-T-E-R-M-A-N-N, Officer Ian Hans Lichterman, was caught on social media with what looked to be uh, part of the official insignia of Adolf Hitler's Nazi party Okay, on his arm. And which is an eagle with outstretched wings topped with the word fatherland, fatherland. Okay. Uh, so in 2010, um, Ian, Ian Hans Lichterman's, Lichterman's name showed up in a hacked database of visitors to neo-Nazi and white supremacist websites and researched by the anti-fascist website, Philly Antifa, Philly Antifa, shows photos of Ian Hans Lichterman dressing up as a Nazi to participate in historical reenactments. Okay? Well, in regards to uh, Officer Ian Hans Lichterman, John McNesby, who's the uh, president of the Philadelphia Fraternal Order of Police, he said, I've seen the tattoo photo. It's an ego, not a big deal. I've seen the tattoo photo. It's an ego, not a big deal. Now, Mayor Jim McKinney, who is the mayor of uh, Philadelphia, however, called the tattoo deeply offensive. Okay. Now, if you look at the article from Huffington Post Black Voices called Philly Police Union President Calls Black Lives Matter Activists a Pack of Rabbit Animals. Philly Police Union President Calls Black Lives Matter Activists a Pack of Rabbit Animals. If you look at that um, um, article, they have a video clip from um, Channel 3 in Philadelphia where they show 
um, footage from the Back to Blue rally. 99.9% of those people at that rally were white. This was a very pro-police rally. We support the police. We love our police. Give them what they need, blah, blah, blah. They're against. They're basically against Black Lives Matter. You can watch it yourself, okay? I only saw all the footage. I only saw one African-American there, and that was an African-American woman, and she appeared to be a sheriff, okay? Um, now, the article from... The root.com goes on to say that the officer, um, Ian, Ian Hans Lichterman, is uh, still policing the streets of Philadelphia, and also uh, Officer Ron Pownell is still on the streets as well, who shot, uh, shot and killed David Jones, shot him in the back. All right, so you have the article from uh, the root.com, Philadelphia Police Union head defends Nazi cop, calls Black Lives Matter a pack of rabid animals. Uh, that's by Angela Helm uh, from um, September 3rd, okay, from uh, today, September 3rd, uh, 2017. Then you have the article from September 2nd, 2017. Philly Police Union President Calls Black Lives Matter Activists a Pack of Rabid Animals, all right? So check those two articles out as well. All right, so um, on Facebook, now, you all can call in with your questions and comments also. Okay, people seem real shy about calling in. 914-338-1375 is the call-in number. 914-338-1375 is the call-in number. If you have a question or comment, 914-338-1375 is the call-in number. If you have a question or comment, okay? Um, now, Ponell is a 12-year veteran. Um uh, also, 12-year police veteran as well, okay? So check check out that article. All right. Let's see here. So on Facebook, uh, we have a question here on Facebook. Um, okay, let me go back to this question here. A.J. Alexander said, question, how is... How is it Black Lives Matter has suddenly come together, unified, cooperated, impacted whites... For change and done things on the national stage that black people have been struggling and preaching for us to do for generations without barbecue or asking for a dollar. Answer is not black. Uh, what are you referring to? Black Lives Matter started in 2013. It started as a hashtag. What are you talking about? I would ask you, AJ Alexander, what are you doing? Well, I mean, what are you talking about? We need to re- reactivate the original Black Panthers. Forget Black Lives Matter. The murder by cop rate has not declined since its start. Well, actually, you you see, you in many cities, for for instance, if you actually do research, I don't know what type of research you do, AJ, and you can call in nine one four three three eight thirteen seventy five. Interesting how people. Um, put these little comments on Facebook, but they won't call into the show. 914-338-1375. Okay. Uh, first of all, you have Black, you have Black Panther Party uh, chapters across the country. If you want to restart the original Black Panther Party, go ahead and restart it. If you look at the state of New York, for instance, 
because because largely a Black Lives Matter protest and advocacy, uh, Governor Cuomo has uh, written and has signed into law a measure that uh, any police shooting has to have a, a state prosecutor as opposed to a local prosecutor. I mean, you have in various cities um, advances being made. Now, more needs to happen. Okay, I would ask you, what are you doing? You say you do plenty. You didn't say what you do. I would ask you what, what, what you're doing. Black Lives Matter started out as a hashtag in 2013. Okay. And uh, many, of our, many of our groups have had allies. Even the Black Panther Party had allies that were not white. If you want to, you talk about restart the original Black Panther Party. Black Panther Party, I'm saying, they had allies that were not black. The Black Panther Party uh, also organized with the Brown Berets. They organized with Latino groups. They organized with Asian groups. And the Black Panther Party was not against white people. They just said white people couldn't join. Okay, so you're talking about, you may want to do some research on the Black Panther Party for self-defense. All right. Okay, so let's continue here. Let me check the phone line and see if he called in. 914-338-1375. Here's the calling number if you have a question or comment. All right, so in Cleveland, um, you have a issue, and then also um, you also have another segment of the Black Lives Matter movement for Black Lives that are organizing for the right to, for the fight for fifteen, organizing for a number of different things. So I just find it interesting how people post this nonsense on Facebook. Um, yeah, you have the New Black Panther Party as well. Um, so you can, uh, but Angela Davis, I saw an interview with Angela Davis and she said, you don't have to try to recreate a black Panther party, just create an organization that meets the needs of today. You don't have to try to recreate a black Panther party. All right. So we've seen the protest, um, regarding, uh, we've seen a protest launched by Colin Kaepernick, August of 2016. And actually, we go back to August 26, 2016, right around that time. Uh, it, well, that was the second preseason game, San Francisco 49ers versus Green Bay Packers. And uh, uh, Steve Weiss wrote an article from NFL.com that basically, that was basically the first article on this. That was August 27, 2016. All right. Well, the Cleveland Browns, um, about 12 players from the Cleveland Browns uh, back uh, around August 21st had a, uh, at the beginning of the game during the national anthem, they appeared to be protesting the national anthem. Now they were kneeling. um, And since then you've had some people say, well, they weren't really protesting. They were just praying. But uh, the two articles on this, one from Huffington Post Black Voices from uh, September 1st, Cleveland Police Union pushes back on Brown's protests, refuses to hold flag at game. Cleveland Police Union pushes back on Brown's protests, refuses to hold flag at game. Okay, so you have that. But let's go back to one of the original articles on this. So sports.yahoo.com, sports.yahoo.com, okay, which is um, uh, Yahoo News. Uh, they had an article about this going back to um, 
August 21st, okay? Going back to August 21st. And the name of this article is a large group of Browns players take a knee during national anthem. Large group of Browns players take a knee during national anthem. So this was written by Frank Schwab, August 21st, 2017. We just posted a link on our, uh, on the thread of our Facebook fan page. Okay. Um, so in the article, it says a week after Cleveland Browns coach Hugh Jackson said, quote, I will hope that we don't have those issues, end quote, in regards to kneeling for the national anthem. The Browns had the largest group of the Cleveland Browns had the largest group of players kneel for an anthem to date. Before Monday night's preseason game against the New York Giants, uh, more than a dozen uh, Browns players either kneeled for the national anthem or showed support for their teammates who uh, who did so. Uh, they showed support for their teammates who did kneel for the national anthem by putting a hand on their shoulder, putting a hand on the shoulder of the teammates who were kneeling. Now, uh, Cleveland Browns uh, head coach Hugh Jackson did clear up his initial comments about the national anthem protest, according to Cleveland.com. He said he did not express himself well enough when he first spoke on the issue. Uh, he said um, he, he, he said a couple Thursdays ago that each individual is free to peacefully protest and quote, there are issues in our country right now that are uh, far bigger than football. And I understand and respect uh, that these issues impact our players and will compel them to reach in many different ways. Okay. Now, tight end Seth DeValve, Seth, Seth DeValve, who's white, indicated it wasn't a protest along the lines of what Colin Kaepernick kneeled for last season. Seth DeValve said the Cleveland Browns players were taking, quote, the opportunity uh, to pray for our country, end quote. They were taking the opportunity to pray for our country. So this, so this was the explanation going back to August 21st, okay? And um, let's see, let's continue here. All right, so there were some social media tweets about this as well on Twitter. Now, the Cleveland Browns put out a statement during the game that seemed to be saying they wanted players to stand for the national anthem, but then acknowledge their freedom to express themselves, okay? Um and the statement from uh, uh, Mary Kay Cabot uh, of the Cleveland Plain Dealer, which is a, a newspaper publication, a uh, statement from a Brown spokesperson said, quote, as an organization, we have a profound respect for our country's national anthem, flag, and the servicemen and servicewomen in the United States and abroad. We feel it's important for our team to join in this great tradition and special moment of recognition. At the same time, we also respect the great liberties afforded by our country, including the freedom of personal expression, end quote. They didn't talk about white supremacy and racism and police misconduct and why the, why the protests started in the first place. Colin Kaepernick was not protesting against America. He was not protesting against the servicemen and servicewomen. He wasn't even protesting against police. He was protesting against police brutality, police misconduct, and the oppression 
of African Americans, Hispanics, and and people and, and non whites. And he he also said, Colin Kaepernick also said that um, once he says that uh, once the flag represents what it's supposed to represent, he'll stand for the national anthem. He also said that. So I find it interesting how people will miss that. Po- they'll miss that and then just want to silence the people who are protesting against white supremacy and racism and police misconduct. This is the same way how, how the right wing, especially Fox News, will uh, denigrate the Black Lives Matter movement and say they're anti-police and don't deal with the fact that they're anti-police brutality. They're not anti-police. They're anti-police brutality. Well, Fox News doesn't want to deal with police brutality. They don't want to deal with police misconduct. Okay? They don't, they, 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 they don't want to, they don't want to uh, deal with implicit bias in policing and deal with the need for criminal justice reform. Okay, so quarterback Deshaun Kaiser, uh, who stood next to his teammates as they took a knee, also said that uh, they were praying and he wanted to support them. After a full year of debate about Colin Kaepernick's kneeling during the national anthem, it will be interesting to see the reaction to the Cleveland Browns' apparent prayer on Monday night. All right. So this was an article from August 21st, 2017. Sports.yahoo.com. Sports.yahoo.com. Large group of Browns players take a knee during national anthem. Large group of Browns players take a knee during national anthem. Okay. And uh, those watching on Facebook, share this broadcast on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in also. If you have a question or comment, you can call in 914-338-1375. 914-338-1375 is the call-in number. If you have a question or comment, press the number one key. Uh, put you in queue so we can bring you on the air. You can also listen to the show at that uh, by calling into that number while we're live. You can listen to the show as well, 914-338-1375, okay? All right, so uh, you had that article from August 21st. There was another article also from CBS News, CBS Sports, okay? And uh, I'm going to pull that one up as well. But Huffington Post Black Voices had an update on this situation for September 1st, 2017. Cleveland Police Union pushes back on Brown's protest, refuses to hold flag at game, okay? Before an August preseason game, players with the NFL's Cleveland Browns kneeled for the national anthem to protest racial injustice, okay? Members of Cleveland's largest police union have backed out of plans to hold the American flag for a pregame ceremony at the first Browns football game of the NFL season this month, okay? Uh, September. A decision union leaders say is a response to a protest by the team's players in August. Now, you would think you would think the police union would detest police misconduct, police brutality, the uh, the unjust killing of unarmed African-Americans, things like that. You'd think the police union would stand against that. But that's not the case because they're not standing against it. They're not denouncing that. They're not calling for criminal justice reform. They're not calling for the officers to be held accountable. They're doing everything they can to defend those officers accused of that. They're, they're, they're not denouncing. And when you have, and, and it's interesting how when you have these instances, just like it's going to be interesting to see if the fraternal order of police 
denounces the police officer caught on dash cam telling a white woman, we only kill black people. You don't have to worry. You're not black. We only kill black people. Is the fraternal order police going to denounce that? We've got that on video. Now, that happened a year ago. That happened July 2016. What has that officer done since then? That's the scary thing. What has that officer done since then? What has that officer said since then? Where's the fraternal order police now? Okay, so you have this other article from CBSSports.com. Browns hold NFL's largest national anthem protest as more than 10 players kneel. Browns hold, um, uh, Browns hold NFL's largest national anthem protest as more than 10 players kneel. Okay, and this was from August 22nd, 2017 by John Breach for CBSSports.com. Okay, you can check out that article as well. All right. Um, yeah, fraternal order police nowhere to be found. I just find that very interesting. Just find that very interesting. Okay, so this article, uh, this update on this story, September first, Huffington Post Black Voices. Um. So yeah, members of Cleveland's largest police union have backed out of plans to hold the American flag for a pregame ceremony at the Cleveland Browns' first football game of the uh, NFL season uh, this month, September 2017. A decision union leaders say is a response to a protest by the team's uh, players uh, in August. Okay, uh, A dozen uh, Browns players kneeled last month during the national anthem ahead of a preseason uh, game uh, uh, against the New York Giants. Although the group said they had gathered to pray, they appeared to be showing solidar- solidarity with former San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick. It was one of the largest such demonstrations since Kaepernick began his controversial um, protest in 2016, August 2016, in protest of the continued oppression of people of color in the U.S., Okay, now here, now the Huffington Post Black Voices is laying it out correctly. It was in protest, his protest was uh, dealing with the continued oppression of people of color in the U.S., and he later called for specific attention to the high profile killings of black men by police officers. Okay, so it's interesting how the Fraternal Order Police is not denouncing the oppression of people of color in this U.S., in the U.S., they're not denouncing white supremacy and racism. Now, if you've heard them denounce this, email it to me, info at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Post it, inbox me here on Facebook, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P, or the African History Network, or email me, info, I-N-F-O, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. If you've heard the Fraternal Order Police come out and denounce white supremacy and racism, denounce implicit bias and policing, denounce, denounce police brutality, I want to hear it. So Colin Kaepernick uh, is now a free agent, and many believe his inability to find a spot on an NFL roster has more to do with his outspoken advocacy for justice than his talent. And we see uh, the article, um, having, uh, uh, AtlantaBlackStar.com and other outlets, NewsOne.com, picked up the article also. Aaron Rodgers, okay, of the Green Bay Packers, quarter, uh, superstar quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers has come out in support of Colin Kaepernick. And saying basically that um, the reason why Cap uh, is not being hired by a team is because of his stance against 
the national anthem, really the stance against white supremacy and racism and police misconduct. Okay. And Rogers has come out uh, in the last couple of days. There's an article about this. Okay. Um, uh, the undefeated, the undefeated had this article and uh, other outlets picked this up also. Atlantablackstar.com was one of them. Okay. So if we look at the article uh, from the undefeated, Aaron Rodgers takes a sledgehammer to Kaepernick myth. Aaron Rodgers. Now he's a white for those people who don't follow football and I really don't follow football, but I know some of this stuff. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is a white superstar quarterback. Okay. Aaron Rodgers is a, is a white superstar quarterback. Uh, who um, has been to the Super Bowl and has won the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers takes a sledgehammer to the Kaepernick myth. Uh, this, is, this is an article written by Jason Reed for uh, TheUndefeated.com. Uh, Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers became the first high-profile prof- high player to publicly dismiss the nonsensical, nonsensical, nonsensical arguments for why Colin Kaepernick has been shut out of the NFL, echoing what some African-American players and many civil rights activists have said for months. is all about Colin Kaepernick's politics. And with uh, Aaron Rodgers' comments, the NFL's uh, Colin Kaepernick problem just got bigger. And revealing, and in revealing ESPN, uh, the Mac, uh, ESPN the magazine story, Green Bay uh, Packers superstar quarterback, Aaron Rodgers laid it out to uh, Mina Kimes, K-I-M-E-S, saying that it would be, uh, quote-unquote, ignorant to think there's any other explanation for why Colin Kaepernick, an accomplished free agent quarterback, would still be without a contract with the regular season scheduled to kick off in a little more than a week. Throughout the offseason, people on the front lines of the battle for equality have maintained that Colin Kaepernick's season, uh, season-long peaceful protest in 2016, uh, he chose not to stand during the national anthem. Uh, he's first, uh, uh, first sitting, then he moved to kneeling in an effort to draw attention to the oppression of black people and people of color must have infuriated top NFL decision makers who in their view are both punishing Colin Kaepernick and sending a clear signal to other players to tone down their social activism. Recently, white players have taken a bigger role in the growing protest movement. Aaron Rodgers, however, is the first white player to call out owners for, in his opinion, essentially blackballing Colin Kaepernick. Aaron Rodgers said, quote, I think he should be on a roster right now. I think uh, because of his protest, he's not. I think because of his protest, He's not. Okay. So you can read the rest of this article, The Undefeated. Uh, This is from August 31st, 2017, just a few days ago. August 31st, 2017, written by Jason Reed. Aaron Rodgers takes a sledgehammer to Kaepernick myth. Super Bowl winning quarterback speaking out is troubling for the NFL. Super Bowl quarterback speaking out is troubling for the NFL. Okay. And, um, All right, so let's continue here. And I'm going to make sure we don't have any phone calls. All right. So share this broadcast on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in also. All 
All right, so let's continue here. Okay, so we have the article from Huffington Post Black Voices, uh, September 1st, 2017. Cleveland Police Union pushes back on uh, Cleveland Browns protest, refuses to hold flag at game. So uh, the hazards of mixing sports and activism are now on display in Cleveland, where members of the city's Police Patrolmen's Association, Police Patrolmen's Association, um, have opted out of an NFL pregame tradition in which an assortment of law enforcement, military personnel, and first responders typically unfurl a gigantic flag across the field during the playing of the national anthem. Vice President Joe Biden, um, I'm sorry, hold on, Cleveland, uh, Cleveland Police Patrolman's Association President Steve Loomis Steve Loomis suggested leaders with the Browns and NFL were to blame for not taking a more aggressive stance against the types of demonstrations exhibited by uh, Cleveland Browns players uh, and Colin Kaepernick. Okay. So here's my question. Now, what type of stance do you want them to take? What type of stance do you want them to take? Now, Steve Loomis, I saw Steve Loomis speak out uh, during the, Tamir Rice killing in in Cleveland, Ohio, defending the officer who shot and killed Tamir Rice as well. Okay, so uh, Steve Loomis told Cleveland's Fox Channel 8, if the ownership of the Browns and the league are not are going if the ownership of the Browns and the league are going to allow that type of stuff to happen and then come to us and say, we want you to help us with the flag. That's hypocritical. We're not going to participate. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm, first of all, I can care less whether they participate or not. I can care less. I'm not against police. I'm against police brutality and I'm against white supremacy and racism. And I'm against these police officer unions that will defend these officers, uh, regardless of what happens and won't stand up against white supremacy and racism. Okay. And denounce the unarmed killings of African-Americans, the unjust unarmed killings of African-Americans. They don't do this. That's what I'm against. So once again, Steve Loomis, who is the uh, patrolman's, uh, the Cleveland Police Patrolman's Association president, okay, which is the uh, uh, union there, the police union there, right? He said, if the ownership of the Browns and the league are not are going to allow this type that type of stuff to happen and then come to us and say we want you to help us with the flag that's hypocritical okay so this is an example why the educational curriculum has to be corrected this is an example of why the educational curriculum has to be corrected. Okay. Um, Because when you look at the, for instance, you look at the debate over removing the Confederate battle flags. Okay. How you doing, Francine? Francine said, we love you. Thanks so much for speaking out. We're with you. All right. Thanks, Francine. Appreciate it. When you look at the debate over the Confederate battle flags, I'm sorry, uh, the Confederate monument and removing the Confederate monuments. You can see how much people don't know about history. 
So you have people saying these monuments are to honor the Confederate officers, honor General Robert E. Lee, honor PGT Beauregard, honor Jefferson Davis, president of the Confederacy. What they don't say is the reason why these people are being honored is because they picked up arms to fight against the United States, picked up arms to fight against the Union. They succeeded from the Union. The reason why they succeeded from the Union was to keep slavery in place, to keep slavery intact, because they, their, their economy depended, the economy of the 11 states that formed the Confederate States of America, starting with South Carolina, that succeeded from the Union December 20th, 1860 a month after Abraham Lincoln was elected president, November 6, 1860. They don't say the reason why they seceded from the Union and formed the Confederate States of America was to continue to oppress African people and keep them enslaved and profit from their labor. They don't tell you this. So this is why the educational curriculum across the country has to be corrected, not changed, because it, be cha- it can be changed for the worse. It has to be corrected to teach the real history of this country and teach the real history of the Civil War, why the Civil War was fought, and why the Confederacy was organized. The Civil War was not fought to end slavery. The Civil War was fought to bring the South back into the Union, because that was the economic engine of this country. Okay, that's why the Civil War was fought. Um, Freeing the enslaved Africans, freeing the four million enslaved Africans was a unintended, uh, an initial unintended consequence of the Civil War. Because uh, in March of 1861, when at at, uh, Lincoln's inauguration, he said he he had no plan to end slavery in states uh, where slavery existed. Okay, he was trying to appease the. Uh, Southern states, because uh, by March, uh, actually by February of 1861, you had seven states who succeeded from the Union. Okay, so he's trying to allay their fears and say he had no um, he had no intention of ending slavery in the states where slavery existed. Okay, so. This, all, see, all this deals with history. And the people's history teaches them how to deal with the problems of the past in the present and the future. A people's history teaches them how to deal with the problems of the past in the present and the future. Okay? Um, because things happen in cycles. All right, so let's continue here. Okay, so if we look at this article here from um, Huffington Post Black Voices, once again, dealing with the Cleveland Police Union. Uh, In a statement addressing the players who kneeled before the game against the Giants, the New York Giants, the Cleveland Browns organization said it had, quote, profound respect for the national anthem, flag, and U.S. service members, but also respected the great liberties afforded by our, our country including the freedom of personal expression, including the freedom of personal expression, okay? Now, uh, I've talked about the National Anthem before. I've talked about the history of the National Anthem, and let me post this link again. Um, Okay, so that is, um, I just posted the link. That's information for uh, my latest bundle pack, uh, Reclaiming the African 
Mind Bundle Pack. This is a six DVD set. It's regularly fifty dollars. Well, regular price is eighty five dollars. It's on sale right now, twenty five dollars. We have a um, forty eight hour sale, so it's on sale right now, twenty five dollars. You can order that. They're shipping out this week. It's a six DVD set that includes. My presentation, African-American resistance in the era of Donald Trump, voter suppression, reparations, and how elections have consequences. There's three presentations on that DVD. Um, and you can also go to AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com as well. So I've talked about the history of the national anthem before. Francis Scott Key wrote the national anthem. It started out as a poem called Defense of Fort McHenry. Defense of Fort McHenry, September 13, 1814, during the um, War of 1812, okay? And he was a white supremacist slave owner who thought that African people were mentally inferior. He came from a slave-holding family. The entire song is a white supremacist song. It's not just the third stanza that talked about no no, um, refuge for the hireling or the slave. It's the entire song is a white supremacist song written by a white supremacist, okay, who was holding African people in slavery while the U.S. is fighting against Great Britain once again in the War of 1812, okay, and they're fighting uh, to keep African people enslaved. And then he started out as a poem called Defense of Fort McHenry, and then uh, later that year um, it's going to uh, be put to music and called the Star Spangled Banner, but it wasn't until 1913 that it was actually adopted as the national anthem. Okay, so it's only about uh, 104 years that has been a national anthem. So people who say they have great respect for the national anthem and all this don't talk about the history of this. Why you have to understand history. Okay, what you do for yourself, what you do to yourself and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you have been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. Okay? This is why a people's history is so important. In every ethnic group in this country, for the most part, they have their history and culture intact, and they use it to fight for scarce wealth, power, and resources. Your history and culture gives you your foundation. It gives you your VIPs, your values, your interests, and your principles, as Professor James Small and Dr. Leonard Jeffries, two of my teachers, talk about. Your history and culture gives you your VIPs, your values, your interests, and your principles. And they influence everything you do. Your thoughts create feelings. Your feelings create actions and behaviors. Your actions and behaviors create results. Okay? So this is why we have to reclaim our minds. And Stephen Beaker, one of our great South African freedom fighters, he was correct when he said the most potent weapon in the hands of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed. The most potent weapon in the hands of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed. Okay, so the call-in number is 914-338-1375. 914-338-1375 is the call-in number. If you have a question or comment, give us a call. It's amazing how silent the phone lines are. I don't understand that. Okay. All right, so... <laughs> And you can also listen uh, at that number also, uh, listen by phone to the to the show as well while we're live, all right? So in a statement addressing the players who kneeled before the game against the New York Giants, the, Brown, the, Cle- the Cleveland Browns organization said that it had profound respect for the national anthem and uh, 
uh, for the U- for the U.S. flag and for the service members, but also respected the great liberties afforded our country, including the freedom of personal expression. Okay, this First Amendment right. Okay, freedom of speech. At the final preseason game, preseason game on Saturday. Uh, this, so this was. Um, Final preseason game on Saturday, uh, uh, Cleveland Browns players changed course, standing in a line with their arms linked during the uh, national anthem. So this was last Saturday. Okay, uh, this would have been um, the twenty sixth. Okay, August twenty sixth. But the union had informed the Cleveland Browns of its decision ahead of that game. Okay, ahead of the August 26th game, uh, and and Saturday's display has not changed their mind. Uh, Thomas Lacko, who's the second vice president of the Cleveland Browns uh, of the Cleveland Police Patrolmen's Association, told the Huffington Post. Okay, now the president of a, a union that represents uh, EMTs, emergency medical, uh, the, the you know first responders, EMTs, and other first responders has also pulled out of the event citing similar reasons, okay? So, you know, I think these people should have a meeting. I think these people should have a meeting dealing with why they're pulling out, dealing with what their opinions are, and they need to have some historians in that meeting also to break this stuff down historically. Because the modern-day police department comes out of the slave patrols and slave catchers. They patrolled the back roads for runaway slaves, and they protected white people from enslaved African-Americans, from uprisings from African-Americans, things like this. So many of these people don't understand history because I can listen to what they say and, and tell they don't understand history. This is why the educational curriculum has to be corrected, not changed, because it, it can be changed for the worse. It has to be corrected. So Daniel Nemeth, president of a local branch of the Cleveland Association of Rescue Employees, Daniel Nemeth, president of a local branch of the Cleveland Association of Rescue Employees, told the Huffington Post, quote, the NFL brags about how they love the military and safety and safety forces and everything that we do for this country. But obviously they don't show it because they're not setting forth any rules about the national anthem. Well, first of all, it's not mandatory to stand for the national anthem. Secondly, the servicemen fight. One of the things they fight for is uh, the First Amendment, which is freedom of speech. Secondly, uh, how is it that you talk about um, they love the military and safety forces and everything they do for this country? So I guess I, so I, I take it they're fighting for the freedoms that we're supposed to have in this country. But you don't want to talk about the unjust killing of African-Americans and you don't want to deal with white supremacy and racism and the oppression of, of, of non-Europeans in this country. And we're supposed to have so many freedoms and it's supposed to be the land of the free and the home of the brave. That's a contradiction in itself. So Daniel Nemeth went on to say uh, he'd be quote, an ignorant fool end quote to deny the racial injustice and police misconduct were legitimate issues, were legitimate issues, but he doesn't support professional athletes using their platform to shine light on politics. Why not? Why not? 
See, this goes back to uh, a lot of white people wanting, wanting professional athletes, especially African-Americans, to play ball and entertain them, but not take politi- a political stance. This, this goes to how a lot of white people want af- – because the NFL is 70% African-American. We don't own any of the teams, but it's 70% African-American. 33 teams. I think it's 33. We don't own any of the teams, but it's 70% African-American, the players. This goes to how a lot of white people want African-American players to be silent and play the ball and entertain them, but not use their celebrity to for causes, social justice causes. See, as long as long as they can go visit sick children in the hospital, that's fine. They can they can uh, partner with United Way, that's fine. But when they speak out against police brutality, police misconduct, white supremacy and racism, now all of a sudden it's a problem. So Daniel Nemeth uh, said he'd be an ignorant fool to deny that racial injustice and police mis- mis- misconduct were legitimate issues. But he doesn't support professional athletes using their platform to shine light on politics. Really? So did you uh, condemn Tom Brady for supporting Donald Trump? Did you, Tom Brady, golden boy, New England Patriots, did you condemn Tom Brady for supporting Donald Trump for president? Or were you silent on that? So Nemeth went on to say, I don't believe in using your position and, and where you're at to make it a big thing. From what, we came, uh, from what we came from, what this nation came from, to what it is now, it's a better place. Heck yeah. Really? Okay. This is, see, this is why the history is the foundation. Okay? And this, this is why the educational curriculum across the country has to be changed. Not, see, African history and African-American history has to be taught in every school across the country, not just in African-American schools, because these are people who vote for politicians. They support policies. Policies are laws. They vote for judges. They vote for prosecutors. Okay? And when these people sit up and watch Fox News all day, which is a white supremacist propaganda machine that lies to them throughout the day, that attacks Black Lives Matter, that attacks uh, African Americans calling for uh, holding police accountable. Okay? People who are miseducated support stuff like this. Okay, so Jason on Facebook said, break off or get out as blacks. We will never be in a position to take over this country for the better. Stop trying to validate the fact we are looking for them to accept us. Once we change this, we can move in a way that no one will ever oppress us. Build your own school. Okay. And when you build your own, see, okay, let me explain something here. I'm all for building our own schools. And we had Africans, we had independent African center schools here in Detroit. But building your own school, you're still under the regulations 
and standards of that state. Talk to some educators. I don't know if you're an educator or not. Talk to some educators. You're still under regulations of the state. There's still standards that you have to meet, even in homeschooling. I'm an advocate of homeschooling. I just spoke at the Black Homeschooling Conference in Atlanta, July 2017. I'm, I'm a presenter each year. There's still standards that you have to meet at, if you homeschool your children. But they still have to operate in a society that's predominantly white. So you can try to cocoon yourself all you want to. But sooner or later, reality is going to slap you upside the head. So you have to be prepared to do that. So, Jason, I don't know if this is your first time watching my show, but Google my name, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. Go to my website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, read my bio. See, see, you can... See, you can cocoon yourself all you want to. And I come from a long line of educators also, by the way. I come from a long line of educators. You can cocoon yourself all you want to, but you still have to operate in a society that's predominantly white. That's just the bottom line. So, uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of people love the idea of homeschooling, but majority of African-American children are not going to be homeschooled primarily. And I'm an advocate of homeschooling, but I'm also a realist. That's why the public school systems have to be corrected. And that's why we have to gain control of our public school systems in cities that are predominantly African-American. Because the majority of our children are not going to be homeschooled. Okay? See, I'm a realist. Not a theorist. I'm a realist. Okay? So this is what we have to understand. And I'm an advocate of, of, of homeschooling. But I do know that the majority of our children are still going to attend public schools. So Daniel Nemeth, president of a local branch of the Cleveland Association of Rescue Employees, said the NFL brags about how they love the military and safety forces. Okay, I read that already. Uh, so city officials have repeatedly uh, weighed the possibility of finding military personnel to replace the protesting members of the police and EMS unions, according to Fox Channel 8 in um, Cleveland. But officers from the Cleveland Police Department uh, may still end up taking the field on September 10th, regardless of the union's position. The union does not speak for the division. Um, Public Information Officer Jennifer uh, Sia told Huffington Post, the union does not speak for the division. The division of police is in no way boycotting the Browns nor denying participation in events with our officers, end quote. So check out this article from Huffington Post Black Voices. Um, Cleveland Police Union pushes back on Brown's protest, refuses to hold flag at game. Cleveland Police Union pushes back on Brown's protest, refuses to hold flag at game. So on Facebook, Jason said, what about independent school funding by our community? What about it? And, 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 and you can't find me nowhere across the country where independent schools are, are, are going to be able to educate the majority of African-American children in the country, in, in that city. Show, show me a major city in this country where the independent school system is uh, 
educating the majority of African-American children in the country financed by the community. So you can have, we have, we have Saturday school at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African-American History. We have, we have Saturday school. But the majority of African-American children in this, in, in this city of Detroit still are going to go to Detroit public schools or they're going to go to a charter school. Okay, now I'm not a big advocate of charter schools because in many cities like Detroit, they're being used to kill off the public school system. And that's largely pushed. That's an initiative largely pushed by Betsy DeVos and her husband, Dick DeVos. And Betsy DeVos is now secretary of miseducation, totally unqualified to be secretary of education. We've been dealing with this white woman for years here in Detroit. So I ain't just find out about her when she was nominated to be secretary of education by Donald Trump, who I warned people about for months. They're trying to totally destroy the public school system in this country. And you got, you got, you got a white woman, Betsy the boss, who's totally unqualified to be secretary of education. And if you watched her Senate confirmation hearing, which I did, you found out how little she knew about the, the, the job that she was nominated for. Secretary of education is also over every college and community college university in this country, online schools, traditional schools, Commuter schools, the Department of Education is over all that. The Department of Education is over the disbursement of Pell Grants and guaranteed student loans, Perkins student loans from, from, from um, the U.S. government. The, the, the responsibilities of the Department of Education are wide-ranging. So this is why we have to educate our, uh, ourselves on this, because our people don't know this. And the people that told you don't vote in this past election, they, they can't even tell you what the hell to do now. The people that told you stay home, don't vote, or vote for Jill Stein, who was polling at 2% in national polls, didn't have a chance in hell of winning, they can't even tell you what to do now. They didn't tell you, wait a second, the next president will probably nominate three Supreme Court justices, and that's a a lifetime appointment, and they could determine uh, federal law. They they, They can determine national law for the next 30 years. They didn't tell you, wait a second, the next president is going to nominate an attorney general, and they could shut down the Civil Rights Department of the Department of Justice. And when you go to justice.gov, justice.gov, which is the official website of the Department of Justice, you look at all the departments that are under the auspices of the Department of Justice that report to the Department of Justice, report to the Attorney General, the DEA, Drug Enforcement Agency, the FBI, the Bureau of Prisons, ATF, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, Border Patrol. All this is under the Department of Justice. They didn't say, wait a second, the next president is going to appoint a secretary of EPA, Environmental Protection Agency. And you're dealing with a lot of environmental issues that negatively impact African-Americans, and they're rolling back regulations. Trump is systematically rolling back environmental regulations that President Obama had in place that were actually beneficial to us and is going to negatively impact us environmentally. Hashtag elections have consequences. This is an example of how elections have consequences. So Jason said, we are fighting a battle. So are we fighting a battle we can win? Yes, we're fighting a battle we can win. We're fighting it incorrectly because we're not educating ourselves on the issues. That's part of the problem. We're playing playing football and don't know the difference between a first down and a touchdown and wonder why we don't have any points on the board. When, when When you play a game, you have to understand the rules of the game. When you play a game, you have to understand the rules of the game. We don't understand the rules of the game. We're playing football and don't know the difference between a first down and a touchdown and wonder why we don't have any points on the board. 
Okay, 914-338-1375 is the call-in number. If you have a question or comment, 914-338-1375 is the call-in number. If you have a question or comment, uh, press the number one key to put you in queue so we can bring you on the air. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll go to the phone line. Call in the 845 area code. We're coming to you first. Call in the 845 area code. We're, call, we're coming to you first. We're broadcasting on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, the African History Network. Um, share this, if you're watching on Facebook, share this broadcast on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in. Also, uh, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We have uh, a sale going on for a few hours more. Uh, you can get the uh, Reclaiming the African Mind Bundle Pack. Reclaiming the African Mind Bundle Pack. It's my latest bundle pack. Uh, you get six of my DVD presentations. Uh, normally $85 is uh, on sale, $25 right now. We posted the link here on Facebook. It's also on our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. So in this bundle pack, you get um, my presentations of the distortion of the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The revolutionary would not be televised on the television. I did that presentation January of 2017. That was this year. The distortion of the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The revolutionary would not be televised on the television. Uh, number two, you get great African women in history, the mothers of civilization. I did this one in February of 2017. That's a new one. I did, I did a presentation on that topic originally back in 2013. This is the new one I did, February 2017. This is a two-DVD set. It's four hours. I do profiles in great African women in our history, all different time periods. Uh, number three, you get Ancient Kemet, the Winter Solstice, and the History of Christmas. Ancient Kemet, the Winter Solstice, and the History of Christmas. I did that presentation in December 2016. Uh, number four, you get The Light of Ancient Egypt Awakens the African Mind to Economic Empowerment. The Light of Ancient Egypt Awakens the African Mind to Economic Empowerment. So I deal with ancient Kemet, ancient Egypt. I deal with the Moors, the Moors going into Europe, bringing Europe out of the Dark Ages, and the teachings, and the Moors taking teachings from ancient Egypt into Europe. And these are going to lay the foundations of Freemasonry also. And we know the 50 of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence when it was signed uh, July 4th, 1776, as well as August 2nd, 1776, 50 of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence were Freemasons. So I did that presentation February 25th, 2017. Number five, you get African-American resistance in the era of Donald Trump, voter suppression, reparations, how elections have, how elections have consequences. So that's actually three presentations on that DVD. Number six, you get uh, Malcolm X, 50 years later, why is he still relevant? I did that presentation June 24, 2017. Malcolm X, 50 years later, why is he still relevant? So I was written as an $85 value. It's on sale right now for $25. Um, we have a sale going on this weekend. So it's so going on for a few hours more. Uh, that shipping, those DVDs are shipping out this week. Order that today. AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Okay. Uh, and we posted the link here on our Facebook page also, all right? Wayne on Facebook said, we need to get together and come up with a plan of action. Well, Wayne, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I've talked about this before. Here's an excellent plan right here. We have a lot to lose, 125-page agenda put together by the Congressional Black Caucus. If you don't like it, add to it. 125-page agenda, very, very, is very accurate. Very well thought out. We have a lot to lose solutions to advance black families in the 21st century. Download it from cbc.house.gov, cbc.house.gov. We have a lot to lose. 
okay? Solutions to advance black families in the 21st century. This is the agenda that they presented to Donald Trump when they met with Donald Trump and his administration March 22nd, 2017. The first thing they do in here is they lay out history, African-Americans in this country, because the people's history teaches them how to deal with the problems of the past and the present and the future. And you can't figure out how to solve problems. You can't figure out how to get out of a predicament or solve a problem until you understand the history of the problem. So they deal with slavery. They deal with Reconstruction, the Great Migration, the Great Depression, the New Deal, World War II, Jim Crow era, civil rights. They deal with all that. Then they lay out specific problems, okay? And then they lay out solutions to the problems, and they have 50 pieces of legislation to address these problems as well. So they deal with uh, voting rights, criminal justice reform, economic justice, education, workforce, health care, environmental justice, rural America, all right? And then, they, and, and then they lay out legislation to address all these issues that they're talking about because the, the conditions that we complain about on a daily basis are the negative side effects largely of bad public policy. The conditions that we lay out on a daily basis are the negative side effects of bad public policy. Okay? This is understanding how politics impacts us on a daily basis. The two main ways to understand politics. Number one, the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources. The legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources. And the writing of laws, statutes, ordinances, amendments, and treaties, their adoption, interpretation, and enforcement. Okay? Those are two ways to understand what politics are. The food you eat, the air you breathe, the water you drink is all governed by politics. Every aspect of your life is governed by politics. When you listen to a radio station, that's governed by the Federal Communications Commission, FCC. To get a terrestrial radio station license on AM or FM, you have to apply for that. You have to go through a government agency. When you drive down the street, the stoplights, the traffic lights are put in place by a municipality, by a city government. You ain't just – private people don't just put up a, a stoplight. No, that's, that's governed by a municipality. Pell Grants, 62% of African Americans who go to college go on Pell Grants. That's issued by the federal government. That's regulated. 73% of African Americans who go to HBCUs go on Pell Grants. Student loans, that's from the government. Welfare, the SNAP program, WIC program, Medicare, Medicaid. Medicare and Medicaid was signed into law by President Johnson in 1968. That's government. Social Security Administration, 1935, President Roosevelt. Minimum Wage Act, 1935, President Roosevelt, all comes out of the New Deal. Okay? The uh, government loans for housing, government loans for housing, that comes from the Homeowners Loan Corporation, created in 1933, out of the the New Deal, President Roosevelt, and the Federal Housing Administration, created in 1934, President Roosevelt. All that's dealing with government. All that's dealing with politics. Politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources— and the writing of laws, statutes, ordinances, amendments, and treaties, their adoption, interpretation, and enforcement. All that's dealing with politics. So, once again, that website is cbc.house.gov, cbc.house.gov. It's called We Have a Lot to Lose. Now, this came out back in March of this year. Okay? This came out back in March of this year. So, I, I downloaded it and took it to the printer had it printed up. 
because the 125 pages, I wasn't printing this up at home, all right? But this is a powerful document. This is a powerful agenda. And people talk about Dr. Claude Anderson's uh, plan and black labor, white wealth, and power economics things. I said, Dr. Anderson's one of my teachers. I've interviewed Dr. Anderson a number of times. Here's an advanced copy of his latest book. I don't even know if this is on the book stand yet. His wife sent me this book. She, she wanted me to read it and interview him after I read this. Interview him on my radio show, 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation here in Detroit. This is Dr. Claude Anderson's latest book. This is an advanced copy of it. A black history reader, 101 questions you never thought to ask. A black history reader, 101 questions you never thought to ask. Okay? But Black Label White Wealth came out in 94. Poweronomics came out in, I think it was 2001, something like this. So this is more up to date, and you could take elements from other plans and put, put them in here. But this is something that every African-American organization across the country, whether you are a black club, a black parents organization, a Black Lives Matter chapter, whatever it is, okay, this is something that every African-American organization across the country can take elements from to form a powerful agenda it has to be decentralized, okay? And these issues have to be pushed for at a local, state, and national level. The, the, the momentum has to come from the base. It has to come from the bottom up, not the top down, okay? It has to come from the bottom up, not the top down. Then something else you should download is this right here. What did Trump do? What did Trump do the first 100 days? What did Trump do the first 100 days? So for all those people who talk about how politics doesn't, uh, uh, um, you know, politics doesn't impact us and we need to stop talking about politics, this deals with the first 100 days of the Donald Trump regime. Today is 227 of the Donald Trump regime. I keep track of it because he's going to be forced to resign from office. This deals with the first 100 days, and this deals with policies that Trump has put in place nominations he's made, things like this, nominations for his cabinet, et cetera, and how these things have negatively impacted the African-American community. This is from the Congressional Black Caucus. What did Trump do? The first 100 days, hashtag stay woke list. Download this also. This is free, cbc.house.gov, cbc.house.gov, okay? Share this with the millennials because a lot of millennials don't understand how politics impacts them on a day-to-day basis. One of the reasons why is a lot of the millennials are being financially subsidized by their parents. So they don't feel the full economic consequences of bad decisions they make, like not voting. Or voting for somebody that didn't have a chance of winning. And now they're stuck with Donald Trump. All right, we have to take a quick break. We'll be back in a few minutes. When we come back, we'll go to the phone lines. Give us a call, 914-338-1375. 914-338-1375 is the call-in number. If you have a question or comment, call in the 845 area code. Call back in because I was coming to you. Call in the 845 area code. Call back in because um, I was coming to you uh, next when we come back from the break. And then also, um, uh, you can uh, register for the online course that I teach, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school, ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. It's a 12-hour, six-week online course that I teach. It's a 12-hour, six-week online course 
that I teach. We deal with thousands of history, thousands of years of history, um, in African American history, and we deal with uh, events leading up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. It's a twelve-hour, six-week online course. We normally do it on Friday, seven p.m. to nine p.m. All the sessions are recorded. As soon as you register, you can watch. Uh, we just did session four on Friday. And uh, all the sessions are recorded, so you can watch the first four sessions. We have 20 hours of bonus content to watch as well. And also, um, you'll be ready for session number five this, uh, this Friday. It's only $40 for that uh, uh, 12-hour, six-week online course, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school. We posted the link here um, on the thread here of our broadcast on Facebook. Um, and it says, uh, let me see, you know, I'm going to post a poster that says register here. And then also you can go to AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, register for it as well. Okay, so caller who was in the 845 area code that was holding on the line, call back 914-338-1375 because we'll come to you when we come back. And then also caller in the 910 area code, hold the line, we'll come to you on the other side of the break. Uh, you listen to a uh, Sunday night edition of the African History Network show here on uh, Blog Talk Radio. Normally, I'm on 910 a.m. the Superstation, uh, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But because of the Labor Day break, uh, the station is closed. So, you know, they're running reruns of the shows. So um, I said we're here on Thursday nights, 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But I said I'm going to broadcast live on um, on Sunday night. Okay. All right, so let's see, where is that? Okay, Elementary Genocide Part 3 uh, just came out August 22nd. I'm featured in that documentary, Elementary Genocide 3, Academic Holocaust, from Director Raheem Shabazz. I'm in here with uh, two of my teachers, Professor Kabahai Wapa Kamene and um, Professor James Small. Also, Dr. Boyce Watkins is in here and Shaherzad Ali. It's available at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. From the creator of the award-winning documentary series, Elementary Genocide 1 and 2, comes the third and last installment, Elementary Genocide 3, Academic Holocaust. From kindergarten, everything is designed in the curriculum to murder your psychic abilities, to murder your intellectual possibilities, to murder your creative possibilities, because that is the way the curriculum is designed to keep Africans from developing the capacity to recreate themselves in their communities, in their families, in their institutions, by their own hands. Let us remember that the pistol grip of today was that slave grip of yesterday. Let us remember that the handcuffs of today, speaking my was a rope and the shackles of yesterday. Shit that those slave masters of yesterday uh, have become the judges and the prosecutors and the police departments of today. And there's just some things that are not comfortable for white people. They're not comfortable for them to talk about the possibility that Africans were here before the Europeans. Contributions for African people, not just in America, but African people worldwide, is not 
incorporated into the curriculum. One of the ways that you keep a people oppressed is to not show them their true history. Because if I can make you feel inferior, I can control anything that you Black people have bought into white supremacy and they don't know it. It's like instead of fighting the picture of white supremacy or the picture that white supremacy painted of black people, we've accepted it. The oppressor knows that if they put our contributions into the curriculum, if they put our children into the curriculum, put them into the picture, put them into the frame, then we'll tear this thing out the frame. So we as a community have to take hold of the educational process of our children, and we have to begin to take our children down that road of ma'at, truth and justice and righteousness, in order to educate them in a way that they will become productive citizens, not only of the country, but of the world. Well, African liberation has a lot of dimensions. You know, we're talking about one, African peoples all over the world, most of whom are not free to self-determine their lives and their future. Freeing the lands of Africa, freeing the nation states of Africa, so that they can self-determine and develop their own industry and their own culture and their own way of life with an economic system that can support them by utilizing the wealth in the ground that is theirs. Most of the education that we're getting now, either on elementary level, junior high, high school, all of the educational systems that we don't own, uh, all of those denigrate all of the accomplishments of African All right, that is the trailer for Elementary Genocide 3 Academic Holocaust. And um, that's from Director Raheem Shabazz. It just came out August 22nd, 2017. And you can uh, order that at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. For each copy you purchase of Elementary Genocide 1, 2, or 3, you get one of my DVD presentations free. And we also have the Elementary Genocide 3 bundle pack where you get all three uh, installments for $50. Uh, it's regularly $60, and you get three of my presentations free. And I'm featured in Elementary Genocide Part 3. You heard me there in the trailer, okay? That's from Director Raheem Shabazz. All right, uh, so welcome back to the African History Network show right here on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Call-in number is 914-338-1375, 914 is the call-in number, pressing number one key putting you in queue if you have a question or a comment. Uh, and then after we go to the phone lines, we're going to continue. Uh, we'll deal with uh, the 10-day march uh, against racism and white supremacy. Uh, activists are marching from Charlottesville, Virginia, to Washington, D.C. They're also protesting against the Donald Trump administration. And we'll talk about how the future of Harriet Tubman on a $20 bill uh, is looks like that future is being threatened by the Trump administration as well. Okay, let's go to the phone lines. Let's go to uh, caller in the nine one zero area code. Um, caller, welcome to the African History Network show. Tell us your name, where you're calling from. Hey, uh, Michael uh, Dennis Biddle. Uh, let me take me off the speakerphone. Uh, Dennis okay, Biddle calling you uh, straight from North Carolina. Uh, I was born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I'm a right. former, former military guy down here at Fort Bragg, on the lost oh. military base. Yeah, uh, that was named here. after uh, a Confederate uh, officer, Fort Bragg. Oh, uh, we got Confederacy all the way from North Carolina, all the way to South Carolina, etc. Uh, this conversation, I've been listening, of course, uh, I listen to you all the time, but I've been listening oh, to thanks, this man. Uh, dialogue, uh, and I, I, there's so many different uh, subjects that has 
transpired uh, in this communication tonight. Uh, I I don't know which way to go. It's just so much we can talk. But uh, one of the things that I'm expressing to my uh, community, I'm talked out. I'm I'm really I spent 30 plus years in the financial industry uh, teaching banking and finance investments, et cetera. But I'm I'm Mm -hmm. talked out now. It's time out for talking. Uh, mm-hmm. It's time for action, and mm-hmm. um, and and one of the things I'm emphasizing, I'm letting folks know, please don't call me unless you talk about how we can mobilize our currency together to start establishing an economic base that's designed to create the circulation for the betterment of our culture community. That's the conversation. I, I I'm, I'm I'm marched out with the hundred man marches, and I've been through. All that I'm marched out. I'm talked out. Hundred man march to the million man march. The hundred man march to the million. Yeah, the million man march. march. Right. I've been on both of those, and 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 here it is at 59 years old, over mm-hmm. 400 plus years. Uh, we came through the cargo ship. Ain't a damn thing happened yet, and it's sad. What, what, After yeah, all this, mean, we just still talking. What, what, so, what do you mean? Uh, it's a shame that I can't can you hear me? walk Dennis, out my door. Yeah, Dennis, I hear you. Dennis. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, what 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 do you mean? Nothing has happened. What I'm saying is this, and I'm because uh, I go by results. Um, I I'm I was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We got mm-hmm. one black grocery store in a state of, in a whole state of Wisconsin. Over four hundred thousand plus people just over three hundred thousand plus people just in Milwaukee. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. what city, what state, what county you go through. When you find the Negro. We have mm-hmm. no economic base where the dollar is consistently circulating for the betterment and the behalf and the betterment of our own culture community. If you pay attention, why is that? every why is that? we don't because well well uh, we got to own up on um, the fact what you've been emphasizing today and you were dead on it about history. Um, mm-hmm. We have to if you want to go forward, you got to look back. You cannot get be lost. And try to find yourself without backtracking and find out what track you, how you got off track. So we have to go all the way back. And, and because our history book says we must study our adversary. He's like a lion walking around the vorn. Let me give you a really good example. Okay. Everybody on Facebook has been getting these um, T-shirt advertisements. You know, that, that these T-shirts have been, uh, been uh, depicting certain expressions about how we feel. Uh, the last one I saw today was Colin Kaepernick with a black power fist, and they got his face on the back of it. Well, yesterday, mm-hmm. let me tell you what happened yesterday morning. I was paying attention. I'm a, I'm a Photoshop guy. I'm a very professional guy when it comes down to website designs, I'm, I, I, you know, and I was paying attention. And I kept looking. It was a nice shirt. It caught my attention. So I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. It had, check it out now, it had President Obama, holding up a damn T-shirt mm-hmm. like he is endorsing the T-shirt. And so a few seconds later, I get another uh, 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 picture. And then I clicked on the image, you know, because all of us got a face image on our Facebook, right, like you see me and my wife on my, my picture. And I clicked on the, on the picture because it said um, something about uh, I'm all, um, all natural. And then when you click on the image, you don't see nothing. It's like a, a website. And when I click on that website, guess what I saw? I saw a guy who was on tank uh, on that Tank Shark movie, Shark Tank or whatever you call it. And this right. guy um, uh, got one of those guys to invest in his T-shirt business. 
and this guy don't look nothing like me or you, trust me. And this guy, check what he's doing. He took President Obama's face, took Michelle Obama's face, put it on another body that's holding up a darn T-shirt and giving the illusion that he's endorsing his product. And let me tell you what's so sad about the whole thing, because like I said, I had to slap myself twice yesterday because I got, almost got caught in it myself. But you get all those Negroes re- replying back with thumbs up and, and, um, and I, this is exciting and, and I'm going to get this shirt and I'm going to get it, I'm going to buy this, and, and come to find out that that's what he was doing. And now he won't even reply back to me. You can't click on nothing that I caught him. He took our brother. You ain't never seen a president, I don't care what president it is, be on TV endorsing anything, beer, right. products. But he's going to be the most Trump. despicable, the most <laughs> valuable, Trump. most professional, most <laughs> polished president we ever had. Got him on mm-hmm. damn Facebook holding up a damn T-shirt. And, 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 but like I said, what's sad is we get caught in the illusion because we don't get educated. We don't. We get caught off guard, and we get caught with our pants down, and the enemy devours us. And, and th- that's just a good example how we've been getting indoctrinated, how we get food, and everything else. But at the end of the day, it's all about economics, and, and, and so um, I pasted a whole bunch of things that we're getting ready to do here in uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina, and we're getting ready to uh, stop talking, and we're getting ready to start moving. And, of course, uh, Claude Anderson, that concept uh, – uh, it's it's powerful, and I'm all for that, and that's what we're getting ready to implement, establish our own economic hub. Which concept? Well, what, Paul well, Anderson is part. Well, we what we need is this. He talks about poweronomics. When we go, first thing we're gonna do uh, is we got to go canvas our community, and we need to identify three things. One, we need to identify one all black businesses in our county. Every last one, we need, to get, we need to get that data. Number two, we need to identify every person in our community that would like to invest in our coach community in the businesses. And number three, we need to petition everybody in our community who would like to own the business. Those are the three things that we got to petition. We can't just bring a, go to a meeting and just have everybody haphazardly coming. No, we need a petition. We need that data. And if we got the data, the hardcore data, then we can establish our dialogue through um, multiple um, uh, group meetings and things of that nature. And, but the whole core purpose for this coalition group of people that we put together is to fortify a system that's for the betterment of the circulation of our dollar. That's the bottom line. That's the whole conversation. That's it. And that's what we're doing. So once we get that data, if we got a 500 um, um, black businesses, and they all have agreed to our petition, that means that we got leveraging power. They have all, one. They have already agreed to um, to pay the $20 membership fee of our organization. That gives us $10,000 with the leveraging power to go establish and find that 10 to 15 acres we need to set up that physical economic hub that we need to start the circulation of our dollar. And so that's, that's automatic. Number two, what that, that coalition group is going to do, Michael, it's going to allow us we to, be able to control who we put in office. See, we got too many people in political positions, and they are not doing what the heck. They, they just... They are because of status quo. They're not 
I mean, it's no way. Can't nobody make Dennis Biddle believe that we could be here 400 plus years, all this marching, all these laws, and whatever we've been through, and we don't have no economic hubs. Is that all other coaching well, communities well, got well, hubs? Well, economic well, hubs. Well, a lot of that is largely due to the fact that the U.S. Interstate Highway Act in 1952 and 1956 drove 41,000 miles of interstate highway through uh, all across the country, and they ran through 1,600 African-American communities, largely wiping out those hubs that we had. It's not that we didn't have the hubs. No, we had Oh, the trust hubs. me. I'm a 57 baby, so uh, my era not- of people are the ones that end up – uh, experiencing that last legacy you're talking about. I remember in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, they took that 94 right through our projects and, and things of that nature. Yeah, yeah. you're correct. Well, I-375. But, yeah, but guess what, Michael? I, Michael, I, let I, me I, ask I, you this, though, Michael. Just, just a second. Can I ask you second. this? Just a second. I-375 ran right through uh, Hastings Street and, and, and ran right through Black Bottom here in Detroit, wiping out 350 right. businesses. That's where, that's, where you, that's where you had a black business district here in uh right. um, bottom here in Detroit. So what happens right. is is that subsequent generations don't understand that history and don't yeah. understand what the civil rights movement was about. The C- civil rights movement was not about giving up our businesses so we can go to white business. That's not what it was about. It was about right. first class citizenship and having all the rights that the Constitution said was supposed to be ours. It wasn't about we weren't trying to give up our businesses and things like this. There's a misunderstanding of that of what took place because we don't understand history. So the foundation, you 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 can't have a viable economic infrastructure without the history and culture being the foundation. That that's that, so that, true. that that that's why we have to reclaim the history and culture, and you have to have a synthesis between African history. And economic empowerment and political empowerment because it all works together. Go ahead and finish your point. And, and that's so true. And that is the whole key behind once we gather that important data. That's why they do census. Once we do our own censorship and we identify our coach community, and I, I believe from my business um, experience, we have about a 7% uh, uh, black America that's on board that's ready to be mobilized. I think we got about a third percent. Um, population that, that have lost their damn mind, but we at least got about 7%, I believe. And so, um, um, yes, uh, but and, and, but that, when the smoke settles, regardless of how many highways came, whatever the issue was that caused us to, uh, which I think it's integration and all the things that happened, like you said, that caused us to, uh, to um, uh, 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 defect our own community, uh, we've been, we're divided up. Uh, and if you like, I live in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and in order for me to go to uh, a particular person business, I got to drive all the way across town uh, to get to them. And then if I want to go to another black business, I got to drive all the way across. So, you know, those saying anything that's divided can't stand. So, you're talking about the need for a black business district. You're talking about the need for a black business district. Yeah, there you go. You're right. 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 And, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, so, even here in this small town of Fayetteville, all other smallest family years, now we have 300,000 population, I think, all other cultural communities have their own economic districts. Small as this city is, the, the Asian got theirs, the Arabs got theirs. Of course, you know, the whites definitely got theirs. But we sat here, and I've been here 33 years in Fayetteville, and it's a shame that 
I had to go all the way to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, just to get to a black grocery store. And let me tell you what's so sad about Milwaukee, Michael. Even though Lena's is there, and I used to go to that grocery store uh, when I was a kid, and I know the I know the kid. I went to school with the kids, right? The dad died, and it's a family grocery store. Ninety-eight percent, Michael, check it out. Ninety-eight percent of all the Negroes in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, is patronizing. Nah, other culture grocery store versus the only one grocery store in the whole state of Wisconsin. That is pathetic. That is a shame. And one of the things that I think need to be note, noted in our own, we need to have laws in our own culture community. We need we need to have our own laws. And one law is this. You never, ever put standards. You have standard laws, whatever we want to call them. We never, ever sacrifice your dollar for the betterment of another culture community unless it's life or death. Mm-hmm. Well, that, bottom see, line. Those, those are cultural standards. See, other ethnic groups have cultural standards. Um, right. And that comes and see, uh, a people's culture teaches them that their culture and history teaches them the only way they're going to survive is through uh, self-reliance, economic empowerment. Now, this does not mean that they don't get involved in politics. Oh, they absolutely do get involved in politics. And they have their own chamber of commerce. Okay, as well. And yeah. they'll go to the White Chamber of Commerce also, because I used to be a liaison for the Detroit Regional Chamber of Commerce years ago. And you had people of other ethnic groups coming to that Chamber of Commerce meeting, but they're going to have their own Chamber of Commerce for their own ethnic group as well to uh, uh, put pressure on politicians to uh, uh, pass policies that are beneficial to them as well. So if people think that other ethnic groups don't get involved in politics, that's not true. They just don't invite oh, you yeah. to the meeting. They just don't invite you to that right. meeting when they're meeting with politicians. But, oh, absolutely, they get involved in politics as well. Okay, so, um, all right, so do you have a black chamber of commerce in your area? Oh, uh, yeah, we have, we have, the, we have these, the, the normal uh, issues going on. But, uh, you know, I think we can hit that in the head. This is one of the things I'm going to get off because I know you got other people want to come on. One other thing mm-hmm. I, I just want to say is, we don't need to get caught up in the illusion. Mm-hmm. See, uh, it's all about illusion. It's, see, our adversary is a camouflager. It, it, let's use the same example when the guy went in and killed all the our people in the church in South Carolina uh, last yeah, year. Or, 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 right? Yeah. Remember? Yeah, remember? Uh, um, the what was it? Was it the governor? She she got all up front and she uh, immediately hey. took the flag down. Well, let me back up here. She didn't immediately take the flag down. That had The pressure to, was put on her. The pressure was put on her. Well, the, the pressure was put on her, and the pressure was put on the state the state uh, legislature. But that's not what that I'm headed at. That's why I'm not headed at, though, Michael. That's what I'm yeah. headed at. We, we know the story. Yeah. I'm headed on this. That's the illusion. It, the bottom mm-hmm. line, this is how they think. It's either I take the flag down or lose the money. They they got to choose between the two. That's our problem. They got to choose who, who between shit, uh, our uh, the, the white supremacy system. They okay. got to choose. In other words, if you think they tear down those statues because they hate each other or they on our side, that's dead wrong. That's the illusion. Well, I'm giving you my personal opinion, but if you study mm-hmm. the history, it's always been the camouflage. I got to get you to think that I love you so I can keep you in bondage economically. So how do I do that? I give you the illusion. I go tear some, I tear a couple of statues down. I get you off focus. Now you out there looking, oh, man, he on my side. They, they love us. That's bull. That woman, that woman right. took that flag down 
because she wanted peace in that state because them Negroes probably going to tear it up. And they had, and, and look what happened afterwards. You got the old crazy Negro jumping on Trump's side. Soon as she did it, they got caught in an illusion, and they voted for Trump. That's what happened. And we well, need to pay well, attention. Yeah, yeah, they, 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 they voted for Trump, but they also voted for Republican um, Republicans in that state legislature as well. I mean, if they, 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 I love you, Michael, you're going to be on my side. Well, it's not about. Well, hold on. Let me let me slow down. Let me slow you down right there. It's yeah, not about us being under the illusion that people love us because they take take statues down that we had to protest to get them to take it down in the first place. In 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 the situation in Baltimore where they removed four statues, that was an African American right. mayor, Captain Pugh, who signed off on that and took action on that because the previous administration did not take action on that. Yeah, okay. but Michael, so it's so, taking so, down so, trophies, Michael. Taking down huh? all the trophies in the world, taking down trophies, taking down statues, taking all if they took all of them down right now to this damn day, how mm-hmm. much reparations, how much money is that gonna put back in our community? That's my whole point. Well well if you actually look at if you actually look at the movement behind removing the statues, they're not just talking about taking statues. They're talking about bringing real change. They're building momentum to bring about policy changes. If you actually study this, so they're not. So people are not under the illusion that just taking down a statue would do something. This is people on the outside not involved in the movement to remove these statues, to remove these monuments. They're talking. They're, they're they're dealing with this and they're building momentum to bring about policy changes. The next thing is the change. Is the next thing is the correct the educational curriculum. Because it's the educational curriculum that which is incorrect, which incorrectly teaches about the Civil War and why the South succeeded from the Union, that has people out here defending the, these Confederate statues in the first place. And General Robert E. Lee was against Confederate monuments, and he was against the usage and the flying and the honoring of the other Confederate battle flag after the Civil War ended. But these people yeah, don't true. even know this because the correct because the educational curriculum is incorrect. So there is a movement taking place. This is not about statues. If you actually read articles about this, there is a movement taking place. The statues are the beginning of. If we got it. a choice, Michael, if we got a if we got a choice right now, if you blind me ten Negroes up right now, and I ask them just two questions: the statues or the money? Which one? The question I would ask you is why are you dealing with a choice? That's the, see, because, that's the fundamental because, problem. Uh, because, why, why let, me tell you why. let me tell you why mm-hmm. we got to deal with a choice. Because in this culture, a society that we were brought in from the cargo ship, we have, our choice has been psychologically and physically taken away. That's why when we go into a, their economic system, the only choice we have, which we goes back to the delusion, we see the Negro is under the illusion that he's free. He because like, he you, you said earlier, oh I can go over to this store over here, or I can go over here, I can go there. So so now we are under the illusion that we're free. But when you when all the smoke settles, it ain't freedom when you're giving your whole life and soul to a culture that that's anti you. So why wouldn't why, my why brother said. Why, why wouldn't you use the momentum around the Confederate, uh, around removing the Confederate monuments to push an economic empowerment agenda? Because you already have people. Oh, I, I believe in using momentum, why, why, but, but why, the momentum why, why, is, I believe, 
Hold on. Why wouldn't you use the momentum around Colin Kaepernick to push an economic empowerment agenda? Because all this, all this is interrelated and interconnected. It's not separate. If you understand, let me give you a good example by Colin Kaepernick. Let me give you a let me give you an example by Colin Kaepernick. we remember what happened to uh, Muhammad Ali, right? Dennis, this there was there were three or four Dennis, a whole coalition Dennis, came behind. Dennis, uh, Dennis, can you hear me? Yeah. Slow down. Yeah, can you, go ahead. If you actually understand history, you'll understand that all of this is not separate; is all connected. Oh yeah. So you yep. use the momentum. You use the momentum that people are galvanizing around these issues because I don't care what the issue is. I'm happy to see African-Americans galvanizing around the issue. So now that they're galvanized around the issue, now you have the opportunity to correctly educate them on the history of the problem and then push an economic empowerment agenda. Go ahead. Um, Our brother who just left office in 2012 on the front lawn, he signed the most powerful economic bill that mankind could ever experience, and we missed it. It's called the Crowdfunding Act. Now, I'm speaking because I got 30-plus years in the investment industry, so in order for that act to happen to have been passed, they had to go all the way back to the 1930s and change all those laws through an act of Congress in order for them to implement that bill. As soon as that bill was acted, he signed it, our Kickstart website went up. GoFundMe website went up because that bill gives the average ordinary person, which we all fall into, the mm-hmm. legal capacity to pull our money together without going to prison. Did you know the laws, the financial laws are, are set up to defraud us from ever coming together with our money because they had, you had to be certified, qualified, have all the credentials, etc. Now that has been thrown out the window. And every ethnicity have jumped on that. That brother signed that bill in 2012, and to this day, we ain't jumped on it. We don't talk about it. I ain't heard no groupies about it. All we got to do you, now you, is, like you second. said, leverage this, leverage what's going on. You saying you saying we don't talk about crowdfunding? Is that what you? No, saying? no, no. We no, don't. No, no. We, we don't, ain't. We ain't. We might. I, we might. I, me personally. I, I, me personally. All the, all the, I'm getting a, fee, I'm getting a feedback now. I don't know if that's coming from me or what. But anyway, me personally, Michael, mm-hmm. me personally, um, when, when, when I'm participating in your meetings and Claude Anderson and Boris Watkins and all our brothers who, we ain't talking about that. We can change our life in 60 to 90 days economically and never miss a boat now today. But we're mm-hmm. missing it because we, 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 to me, every fiber of a coach community on economics. With the economics, we could put in office. Just like Claude Anderson said, he said, hey, we need to go ahead and put jokers in office. We need to put them in there. We don't need no bad to put them there. We need to put our own representation in these political positions, and we need to hold right. them accountable. And if they, don't, uh, if they don't abide by the standard that we set for putting them in there, then we take them out. But we that's can't true. do that if we don't have an economic base. We, that's what we're talking about. So, in other words, in, in my city, we got some Negroes that have been in office, and most of them are in position because of status quo. They're in there because they've been known, and they've been around 30 damn years, and they ain't done not one iota thing. So we gonna, when we put this coalition group together, this petition, of course, they're going to come because they want to go. Everybody, wanna, everybody in our community going to want to be part of this. 
but we gonna okay. hold them accountable. And if they don't, we, we hey, they don't. They're not gonna take their own agenda to the city. We gonna give them the agenda. And if they and, and if they don't abide by the the the, the agenda, then guess what? Soon they turn up, they out. Then we gonna put somebody yeah, else in. That's what we gotta right. be to do. Okay, man. And that's right, that's just listening. part that's of it. That's the political side. But okay. anyway, keep I don't listening. want to take hey, Mike. I don't know. I'll be, we've been talking for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and I'm just going now. I'm walking around in my living room. I'm excited. I'm pumped up. And right. I'm glad we're talking. But, all right, um, man. Give me an update but, uh, on what you ahead, all are uh, doing out there also. Give me an update I, I, on what you I, all I are did, doing out there. Yeah, I'm going to stay in talk, contact with you. And we've been a launch this thing starting. We actually already launched it. I'm doing a video. I'm doing a presentation with a core group of people this week. Um, because, like I said, we need to get this thing going nationally. Where we do our own national censorship uh, 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 petition right. and identify the players who we can work with, and then we need to go forward. With okay, man. We can work with. okay, I appreciate Thanks you giving me the air, man. Okay, Take peace. Care. All right, nine one four three three eight thirteen seventy five is the call in number if you have a question or comment. Nine one four three three eight thirteen seventy five is the call-in number. If you have a question or comment, press the number one key to put you in queue so we can bring you on the air, okay? Uh, so a couple of quick things. Dennis brought us some good points, but once again, we have to understand the foundation is your history and culture. But the foundation is not economics, okay? This is why I disagree with Dr. Carl Anderson, who's one of my teachers. Love Dr. Anderson, but Dr. Anderson is not African-centered, and he's not a pan-Africanist, okay? I'm just stating facts. So economic empowerment is important, but we have a $1.3 trillion economy, but because the history and culture is not in place, because that's not our foundation, we don't know what to do with the money. So 97% of our dollars are spent with people that don't look like us. So we could have a $10 trillion economy and still be spending 97% of our dollars with people that don't look like us. So that foundation is your history and culture, and we need to study the history of African-American entrepreneurship, African-American economic empowerment. We need to study a book of T. Washington and the uh, Negro Business League. Okay. We need to study John Merrick and the North Carolina Mutual Life Insurance Corp, uh, Company. Okay. We need to study C.R. Patterson and Sons Company, which, which were manufacturing automobiles in 1915, the only African-American owned automobile manufacturing company we had. We need to study our history in entrepreneurship in business also we need to study uh, uh annie turnbull malone who was uh who created the black hair care industry and she hired a uh a washerwoman named sarah breedlove and taught her the business and sarah breedlove became known as madam cj walker so we need to study these pioneers of african-american entrepreneurship okay um and then also you have to understand the relationship. You have to understand when you have people who are disrespecting you in office and passing laws and things like this that are harming your people, you have to vote them out of office. You have to, you have to vote their behinds out of office. When you sit back and don't vote and allow them to mistreat you, that sends a clear message that um, you're okay with what they're doing. See, you can march and protest. But marching protesting usually does not get them out of office. One of the best types of protests is the protest at the ballot box and vote, their ja- and vote these jackasses out of office. That's one of the best forms of protest. Even if you have economic empowerment, you still have to show up and vote 
people out of office you, and punish them because they fear. One of, the, one of the things that elected officials fear the most is being voted out of office. That's, that's humiliating, especially if it's a, a, a landslide, uh, crushing uh, defeat. That's humiliating to them. So you, you, when, when, they, when they realize that people are going to show up to city council meeting, when they realize people are going to show up to uh, the open forums and open houses, and there's a line, there's a line of African-Americans to get to the city council meeting and the school board meeting. Like there's a line of us going to see uh, Girl Trip or the new uh, Medea movie. And when they know these people are paying attention to what's going on and they, and they're going to show up and vote and vote their behinds out of office, people back up. They're scared of that. People back up. They're scared of that. That has to work in conjunction with the economics, with the history and culture. So 914-338-1375 is the calling number if you have a question or comment. Okay. Uh, 914-338-1375 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. Press the number one key to put you in queue so we can bring you on the air. So December 26, 2016, that was a Monday. That was the first day of Kwanzaa, Umoja, which means unity. And in the Brooklyn area, you had a mobilization of about 1,700 people who mobilized to have a Kwanzaa crawl for economic empowerment, and to teach African history and culture. The organizer, one of the, the, the organizers who spearheaded this, her name is Carrie Kadet, and she is a comedian in the Brooklyn area. Okay, here's what happened. Organizer of Kwanzaa Crawl and the founder of Operation Mobilize, which is the organization that puts this whole thing together. We put together the whole entire event in three weeks with 17 bars, 16 different teams and team leaders. Uh, we haven't been sleeping. It's a very small team. It's like two and a half of us, three of us, as we are always looking for ways to bring people and the community together. We're always looking to try to find ways for people to take an active role in the things that happen in the community. So this is just another one of our initiatives. We think it's important that we support the small black-owned businesses that support us, that hire us, that give us jobs. And it's time that we take a part and celebrate our community while we can and appreciate it. It's super important to tie it with Kwanzaa because Kwanzaa is all about cooperative economics and collective work and bringing people together um, under unity. So this crawl is actually embodies all seven principles of Kwanzaa. It has a whole bunch of people coming together for one purpose on one day, unifying for one goal. It has all the business owners pitching together cooperative economics. We're here to support you, and we're doing the work creatively with Kwanzaa Crawl. Our goal for Kwanzaa Crawl is actually to have it in so many cities across the, the country. So we want to have it in Harlem, in the Bronx, in D.C., in Houston, in Dallas, in Chicago. We want to bring Kwanzaa Crawl to towns everywhere. I think that it will help the Brooklyn community just by, one, giving people a sense of pride in where they come from and when they live. People are really excited to just come out here and do something positive. We found a cool way to do it, so people are excited to do that, and I hope that it starts a conversation that continues, that people know and are conscious to support black, support small-owned business, buy locally, and this is how 
about we started now. I think starting the year off this way is a really good way to kick off 2017 with that thought and purpose in mind. Yeah, Operation Mobilize was founded out of a need to, to do something. We are tired of being shot. We're tired of police brutality. We are tired of complaining. We're tired of protesting. So one of the many ways in which Operation Mobilize came to, to, to get people together is to mobilize them to do something. And this is one of these things. Be mobile. Do something. Learn who your congressmen are. Learn who your local uh, assemblymen are. They're all out here. They're all supporting. I know them by name now. I did it last year. This is cool. This is dope. And hopefully we can start the trend in cities all across America. All right, so that's what happened December 26, 2016. AtlantaBlackStar.com had an article about this. Uh, then with Kwanzaa Crawl, you can Google that. Kwanzaa Crawl, uh, AtlantaBlackStar.com. And they organized in three weeks, they organized about 1,700 people to target 16, 17 businesses, okay, and spend thousands of dollars with these businesses okay uh three people organized this event and she talked about how politicians came out as well because when you mobilize people like this politicians are going to pay attention because they want they want that vote they want to listen to you she said learn who your congressmen are learn who your city council people are she said i didn't know who they were last year i know who they are now and she talked about how she wanted to make kwanzaa cool again and introduce this to millennials. So she combined economic empowerment with African history and culture with the uh, Kwanzaa crawl. Uh, AtlantaBlackStar.com has this article, Kwanzaa event uh, attracts hundreds to support black-owned businesses. Kwanzaa event attracts hundreds to support black-owned businesses. Okay? So this is something organizations can do across the country. This is something churches can do across the country. They can organize uh, these Kwanzaa crawls. You can start now. Don't wait till the first week of December. Start now. And you can do these for Dr. King's birthday. You can do this for Malcolm X's birthday, Marcus Garvey's birthday. You can do this once a month. Okay? The redirecting dollars to African-American-owned businesses and teaching about our history and culture at the same time. She said, we're tired of being shot. We're tired of police brutality. We're tired of complaining, and we're tired of protesting. This event is one of those things that encourages people to be mobile and do something and learn who their congressmen and city council members are. They're all out here supporting us. Okay, so check out this article here, AtlantaBlackStar.com. That video is on uh, YouTube also. Just search for Kwanzaa Crawl and um, Kerry Cadet. All right. But this is something this is something that's very doable. It doesn't cost a lot of money to do it. Black Chamber of Commerce uh, organizations across the country should be organizing something like this. Word of advice. Let the businesses know you're coming before you show up. Give them a month advance notice, three weeks. Let them know because at least a month. It'd be good for a month. The reason why is uh, number one, they need to schedule, they need to properly schedule people to be there because you want your, you want all your employees there to handle the influx of people. Number two, you need to make sure they order, they, they stock accordingly. They order the, the proper inventory, things like this. They have enough to handle the influx of people coming in, okay? You don't just, just want to show up to a business 
first uh, <laughs> day of Kwanzaa with 100 people outside. You don't want to do that, okay? Let them know you're coming ahead of time so they can plan accordingly, all right? Word of advice, somebody who's studied business, taught entrepreneurship, and managed a small business before, and managed a retail outlet as well, you got to give them a heads up, okay? All right, 914-338-1375 is the call-in number. If you have a question or comment, 914-338-1375 is the call-in number. If you have a question or comment, hey, be sure to visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. So we have a, a weekend sale going on. Uh, well, first of all, you can uh, register for the online course that I teach, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school. is a 12-hour, six-week online course that I teach. We normally do it on Friday, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. All the sessions are recorded. Uh, you can go back and watch it over and over again. Uh, we just did session number four this past Friday. So as soon as you register, you can watch sessions one through four. You'll be ready for session five this coming Friday. And there's about 20 hours of bonus content there as well, okay? Um, and uh, we just posted a link here on the thread of the broadcast on Facebook, but you, you can also go to, to AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can register for it there as well. And we also have a, um, a weekend sale. Uh, you can get my latest bundle pack, six of my DVD presentations, normally uh, $85. It's a weekend bundle pack. Uh, it's only $25. Reclaiming the African Mind bundle pack. Reclaiming the African Mind. We just posted a link on the thread of our broadcast, and it's available at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And all that helps support us and helps us stay on the air, keep doing the research, um, pay the bills. Etc. Because even blog talk, we have to pay blog talk to be on the air. Erica said, AJ, have you read the 128-page agenda? We have a lot to lose on cbc.house.gov. Most people haven't read it. I can tell what people have and have not read, but what they say. Most people don't even know that agenda exists. Even though Roland Martin talked about it on News One Now, it was Roland Martin on TV One. He interviewed the Congressional Black Caucus members, the executive board who met with Trump March 22nd, 2017. I've talked about it numerous times in my broadcast. And even at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, we have the link to download the, the second document, What Did Trump Do? The First 100 Days, which deals with how Trump's policies He's signing the law and executive orders and uh, uh, nominations. He did in the first 100 days how this how this is negatively impacting the African-American community. A lot of our people don't know about this. CBC.house.gov, CBC.house.gov. That's the official website of the Congressional Black Caucus. And you can look up each member of the CBC, each of the 49 members of the CBC. You can see what they're doing. You can see legislation they sponsored, things like this. You can see what they're doing. So people say, oh, what's the Congressional Black Caucus doing? When I ask them, have you been to cbc.house.gov to find out what they're doing? They give me a deer in the headlights look like the one you're giving me right now. cbc.house.gov. You can also call your member of the Congressional Black Caucus and ask them, hey, what legislation have you sponsored? Hey, what are you doing? What committees are you on? You can call their staff and ask them that as well. 
All right, so we've seen a lot take place because of the uh, August 12th Charlottesville, Virginia protests. Uh, It was a protest called Unite the Right, R-I-G-H-T, Unite the Right, which is organized by uh, 12 white supremacist neo-Nazi groups that were uniting. They used the proposed removal of the statue of General Robert E. Lee there in Emancipation Park in Charlottesville, Virginia, as a rallying cry, but they were really promoting white supremacy and racism. And as the Vice.com documentary noted, the, the, the woman who was there interviewing people, she said, I hear a lot of people talk about the statue. They were there uniting the alt-right, but they used that the removal of the statue of General Robert E. Lee as a rallying call. So coming out of that, you have an organization who's called for a 10-day march against white supremacy and racism, and they're also denouncing the Trump administration. So I followed this from the beginning. Huffington Post Black Voices, they have an article from September 2nd, yesterday, September 2nd, 2017. Activists face rain and security threats as 10-day march against white supremacy continues. Activists face rain and security threats as 10-day march against white supremacy continues. Dozens are walking from Charlottesville, Virginia to Washington, D.C. to fight for racial justice. Dozens are walking from Charlottesville, Virginia to Washington, D.C. to fight for racial, to fight for racial justice. Okay? A lot of people don't know this is going on. Uh, okay, on Facebook, Anthony said, was this same... CBC agenda presented to President Obama, if not why? No, I don't remember hearing about this agenda being presented to um, President Obama. Um, you could, Now, I know they did meet with President Obama. Uh, he didn't meet with them for the first two years of his administration. I'm not sure which agenda they presented to President Obama. You could probably find out at cbc.house.gov, cbc.house.gov. You can also call your member of the Congressional Black Caucus in your area and find out what they presented to President Obama. I know they did meet with him. Um, I don't know what agenda they presented to President Obama. Okay, so braving the rain, threats of violence, and uncertainty over police permits, dozens of civil rights activists uh, set out on the sixth day of their 118-mile trek from Charlottesville, Virginia, to Washington, D.C. on Saturday, uh, September 2nd, to protest the white supremacist ideas that inspired deadly violence in Charlottesville, Virginia, a few weeks ago. The 10-day journey, which organizers from progressive and faith organizations are calling a march to confront white supremacy, a march to confront white supremacy, began on Monday with a rally. So it began this past Monday, which was uh, the 28th, August 28th. Uh, it began on Monday, August 28th, with a rally in Charlottesville's, uh, Charlottesville's Virginia's uh, Emancipation Park. And that's where the statue of Robert E. Lee on the horse is where, and that's where the protest, the Unite the Right protest was. Um, and this is due, and this march is due to conclude this coming Wednesday, 
okay, which is um, September 6th, with uh, nonviolent civil disobedience in the nation's capital, okay? The uh, march is uh, scheduled to conclude this coming Wednesday with nonviolent civil disobedience in Washington, D.C., with an escort from the Virginia State Police and Virginia Department of Transportation. The rain gear clad marchers spent Saturday walking 13 miles along Route 29 from Remington to Warrington, all while waving placards with messages like Black Lives Matter and singing racial justice theme songs, singing racial justice theme songs. Participants in the march varies from one day to the next, but organizers estimated that there were uh, 80 people marching on Saturday. Now, the marchers are calling for President Donald Trump's impeachment, the removal of all white supremacists from his administration. We've seen uh, Stephen K. Bannon, okay, um, who was the uh, who was running Breitbart News uh, and said Breitbart was a home of the alt right. We see he's left the administration, even though the reports that he's still talking to Trump. Uh, by Trump's personal cell phone, and I didn't think he wasn't going. I didn't think he was going to stop talking to Trump, but he should have never been in the administration in the first place. Um, we've we've seen um, Sebastian Gorka, who was a White House deputy, a uh, White House deputy who's a white supremacist, also has ties to a uh, Hungarian white supremacist organization. We saw he left in the last couple of weeks from the administration, and. Is, this is General uh, uh, John Kelly who's behind pushing these people out. Stephen Miller needs to go also. Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III, the uh, Attorney General, he needs to go as well. He's another white supremacist also. He needs to go also. So they're calling for the impeachment of Donald Trump, the removal of all white supremacists from his administration, and an end to policies that disproportionately impact people of color, including criminal justice, and policing practices. Now, these people, I'm all for protests and marching, okay? I'm all, I'm all for that. As long as you have a strategy, a plan involved, okay? Now, people misunderstand the purpose of marches and protests. Marches don't solve problems. Marches aren't designed to solve a problem. A march, a protest, is designed to draw attention to the problem, draw attention to your issues, galvanize support around it, so then you can work people into your plan of action is to draw attention to the problem, deal with what the issues are, so you can galvanize support around your plan of action and work people into your plan of action. This is the purpose of mass protests. The problem occurs when people don't understand that and they think marching is the plan because they haven't adequately studied the civil rights movement. The problem occurs when people don't know that marching is not a plan, it's a tactic. And they think that marching is the plan. So I'll talk about how oftentimes we suffer from March Madness. Not NCAA March Madness, where we watch African-American athletes being exploited by predominantly white institutions. Now I'm talking about March Madness. We get mad and we want to march. March Madness. That's a problem. When they have mass protests like this and the issues surrounding it, I don't have a problem with that. They should. Now, the other thing 
is at the end of your march, you should march yourself to black-owned businesses and buy them out because there has to be an economic empowerment component to these marches. You can't have... And you can't have these people organized. This is like this is the problem I have with the Black Lives Matter marches. I'm all for marching. I'm not against the protest. But at the end of your protest, march yourself down to black owned businesses and buy them out. And take your white friends with you also who are out saying Black Lives Matter as well. Take them with you. I don't have a problem with white people marching for Black Lives Matter. They should. I don't have a problem with that. At the end of the protest, after you block traffic, after you march down the street, after you lay down on the tarmac to keep planes from taking off, march yourself down to black-owned businesses and buy them out. Because not just black lives matter, but black dollars matter also. And study after study shows white people have more money than us. So take your white friends with you and, and have them shop at black-owned businesses as well. So explain this to the Black Lives Matter activists in your area. Okay, because this is a missing component. So uh, they're protesting. Uh, they want they, they, they want uh, Trump to be impeached. Um, they want um, the removal of all white supremacists from his administration and end to policies that disproportionately impact people of color. This deals with politics. This deals with law. This deals with politicians, including criminal justice and policing practices. All right. Now. Puja Data, D-A-T-T-A, P-U-J-A, I think, I'm, I'm not sure how to pronounce their name. Puja Data, a 29-year-old 20, working families party organizer who traveled from Columbus, Ohio, to participate in the march said, we're marching to say enough, enough is enough. We're marching to say enough is enough. Okay? And behind the election of Donald Trump, we saw a whole lot of white people organizing protest marches. We did not see a lot of African Americans organizing protest marches. Now, I know what the a women's march that took place across the country and was huge in D.C. They had about a million people. I know Tamika Mallory uh, and Janae Ingram were two of the organizers of that march, and they're African-American, okay? And I know you had uh, in North Carolina, uh, I know Reverend William Barber uh, with uh, Repairs of the Breach and uh, organizer of Moral Mondays. Uh, he's an African-American pastor. I know he was organizing efforts to save Obamacare there in North Carolina. But largely, when you see a lot of these protests across the country, whether it's for health care or protesting against Trump, you saw very few African-Americans involved in organizing these uh, protests. So uh, Pooja Data went on to say, people of color demand true liberation and equality, and there's no reason why we shouldn't have it. Okay, she's a female. And there's absolutely no reason why neo-Nazis should be rising again. America already fought them once and beat them back. Absolutely correct. Now, the marches have uh, already overcome racially motivated intimidation, the kind of which they have assembled uh, specifically the protests. Wednesday's leg of the march ended early after organizers received threats that an armed person was awaiting them at their destination in Madison, Virginia. So the march has nonetheless proceeded without violence and picked up high-profile support along the way. Hollywood star and progressive activist Mark Ruffalo joined the marches on Friday 
documenting his journey on social media. I saw a social media post from Mark Ruffalo as well. And um, let's see. You may be able to get uh, his social media post up here, see what he said. Um, so that same day, however, activists suffered a setback when Virginia State Police withdrew approval for them to walk on the road, asking that they stop or con- or continue by car for the remainder of the day uh, of the day's route, according to police. The state police cited concerns about the rainy weather and the impact of the march on traffic at the start of the Labor Day weekend, which police spokeswoman Corinne uh, Corinne Geller told Huffington Post has resulted in a four-mile backup. Okay. Um, So the Labor Day weekend, traffic, et cetera, has resulted in a four-mile backup. So the decision to cut the fifth day of the march short by three miles and prompted uh, March organizers to accuse the police and Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe of foul play. All right. Um, if there's a four-mile backup, um, I'm not there, but there's a four-mile backup due to Labor Day weekend, and we know things like that happen. May be a legitimate reason. There may, may be a legitimate concern there. So, Marcher uh, Ben Dorenberg said in a Friday statement, today the Virginia State Police revoked our permit because of non-existent rain and traffic and threatened to arrest us if we marched. Uh, Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe's double standard is, is as clear as the skies and roads and his disregard for the rights of non-racists is appalling and shameful. So I would ask the question, is the traffic backup legitimate because sometimes things like that happen and they're unforeseen sometimes things like that happen and they're unforeseen the police acted so um, let's see who is this Uh, Geller the uh, police spokesperson Corinne Geller said the police acted in good faith resuming the escort on Saturday the police are, quote, better behaved today, end quote, uh, Pooja Dada uh, told Huffington Post on Saturday. She's 29. Um, you know, there's a you have to have a balance between knowledge and uh, wisdom. You have to have a balance between knowledge and wisdom. Because knowledge tells you what to say. Wisdom tells you when to say it, who to say it to and when to be quiet. So you have to have a balance between knowledge and wisdom. And you also have to be able to think multiple moves ahead. All right. So uh, Corinne Geller went on to emphasize, however, that law enforcement reserves the right to make similar demands of the marchers in the future. Um, She said, quote, as the march advances into northern Virginia, traffic congestion and safe passage for the marchers will become even more of an issue, end quote. State police and VDOT are in constant communication with the March organizers to discuss uh, what is in their best interest in regards to creating a safe environment that will enable them to achieve their intended goals each day, okay? Uh, So check out this article from Huffington Post Black Voices also 
Uh, name of this article is Active Space Rain and Security Threats as 10-Day March Against White Supremacy Continues. Activists face rain and security threats as 10-Day March Against White Supremacy Continues. This is a 188-mile march that, they're, that they are engaged in. Hey, if you're listening to the show uh, on Blog Talk Radio, call in and listen by phone, uh, 914-338-1375. We're going to stop uh, live streaming on uh, Blog Talk Radio in uh, about 30 seconds here. You can listen to the rest of the show live by phone, 914-338-1375. 914-338-1375, okay? All right, so um, I think this march should get more exposure. I think it should definitely get more exposure. Um, so on Facebook, let's see, Rosala said exactly, Dennis uh, Bidel, did you see any of them scrambling for help from government during Hurricane Harvey? Uh, they work together and hold one another accountable. Uh, I'm not sure what you're referring to, Rizala. Uh, what are you talking about? Um, Erica said, yes, sir. Balance between knowledge and wisdom is a requirement. Let's see. Jeffrey said, uh, yeah, you're right on it, my brother. Unity today, tomorrow, and forever. You can. Everybody doesn't have to unite. You can get a lot, a lot done. Everybody doesn't have to unite. There's never been a time in the history of this country when all African Americans are on the same page. You just have to have enough working together to get something done. Okay, and unity does not mean uniformity. does not mean you're going to agree on everything all the time. You just have to have enough people working towards common goals to get uh, things accomplished. All right. So we have to get out of our mind that everybody's going to be united uh, because, hell, you got white people that are not united. You got white people who are neo-Nazis and you have those who are not. You have those that are Democrats. You have those that are Republicans. You watch MSNBC, white people are not united. You have those that are for taking down Confederate monuments, those who are against taking down Confederate monuments. So you just have to have enough working to uh, get things accomplished, get things done. Uh, Let me go to some more of your comments. All right. Rosala said we need community organizing. Community organizing is taking place. You, you should check in your local community and see who's organizing and get involved. Community organizing is taking place all across the country. What people are realizing is that community organizing is not enough. They're, they're realizing a lot of millennials are realizing that they have to also run for political office because they're realizing the impact that local politics has on every aspect of their life. So they're realizing that community organizing is not just enough. You also have to hold political office as well, because it's the politicians who write into law the, the policies that the community organizers are advocating for. Atlantablackstar.com had an article dealing with how millennials 
a, a lot of millennials are seeing the need to run for political office. And um and this is and 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 a lot some of this has to do with um the Trump administration. You know, and they're seeing the impact um that politics is having and they're realizing that they have to run for political office. All right. I may be able to pull up that article from AtlantaBlackStar.com. But I I remember AtlantaBlackStar.com had an article about that recently. So as the march advances into uh, Northern Virginia, traffic congestion and safe passage for the marches will become even more of an issue. State police and VDOT are in constant communication with the march organizers to discuss what is in their best interest in regards to creating a safe environment that will enable them to achieve their intended goals each day. This is what Corinne Geller, spokesperson for the police department, said. Okay. Um, So Jason on Facebook said there must be a plan for us as well. Okay, did you download uh, the the agenda from cbc.house.gov? We have a lot to lose. You can start right there. Okay, let's continue. So the march which uses the social media hashtag CVIL2DC, C-V-I-L-E, the number two DC, Seville to DC, is part of a wave of progressive activism in the wake of the August 12th white supremacist rally in Charlottesville, Virginia. Okay, so you have people mobilizing across the country. It's interesting how people will get on social media and complain we need to do something with people across the country and probably in their own communities are doing something. So maybe you should uh, find out what's going on, the mobilization going on in your community. The people who are complaining, we need to do something, we need to do something. Oftentimes, people are doing something, you're just not one of them. Oftentimes, people in your community are doing something, you're just not one of them. So, um, so this is a wave of progressive activism in the wake of the August 12th white supremacist rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, that we talked about, and uh, many Americans were appalled by the white supremacist rally and Heather Hare's death and Trump's subsequent attempts to draw equivalences, equivalencies, uh, equivalencies between the neo-Nazi protesters and anti-racist county protesters, okay, who assembled peacefully. Uh, civil rights advocates vastly outnumbered uh, a white supremacist demonstrators at a counter rally in Boston, Massachusetts, and enveloped similar uh uh, protesters in San Francisco and Berkeley, California. Now, the groups behind this march include the Working Families Party. Now, pay attention because people who say, oh, nobody's doing anything. Oh, nobody's doing anything. Usually the people doing something something about it, you're just not one of them. So here's some organizations you can check out to get involved in. Working Families Party. This is one of the organizations involved in this march. Working Families Party. 
the women's march, the women's march, color of change. I talk about color of change all the time. They're doing a lot of great work. Color Democracy spring, the movement, the movement for black lives, the center for popular democracy, the international union of painters and allied trades, PICO national network, PICO united. We dream resist here. The march for racial justice, million hoodies movement for justice and if not now, Million Hoodies Movement for Justice, and if not now. A lot of organizations out there. Now, Hurricane Harvey and the destruction has uh, wrought on southeastern Texas and Louisiana have cast something of a shadow on the march to confront white supremacy. I'm sure this coming week on News One Now, Roland Martin, Roland will talk about it. I can't remember, I can't remember if he talked about it um, already. But um, uh, I'm sure Roland will talk about it uh, this coming week. Um, I know he was on, uh, they probably won't be on live on Monday because it's Labor Day, but they'll probably be back live um, uh, on Tuesday, okay? All right, I'm trying to Google something here also. Now, so Hurricane Harvey and the destruction uh, has taken away attention from uh, this march, uh, this protest, as media outlets and progressive allies focus on responding to the disaster, especially in Houston, Texas. Houston has been uh, ex- hit extremely hard. But marcher Nalini Stamp, S-T-A-M-P, the New York-based membership director of the Working Families Party, called the devastating storm another case uh, another case study of how white supremacy affects policy outcomes, how white supremacy affects policy outcomes, arguing in a Facebook Live video on Thursday that the government's preparation and response to the disaster had failed Houston's communities of color, had failed Houston's communities of color. She incur- encouraged viewers to visit noredcross.org, noredcross.org, to find local aid organizations to help contribute. The Red Cross has incurred liberal skepticism for what critics describe as a shoddy publicity-seeking disaster response apparatus, okay? Uh, Quote, what's happening in Houston is exactly white supremacy. The fact that President Donald Trump did not acknowledge it uh, much later, did not acknowledge it until much later on, and he didn't go visit any victims of the flood the fact that he has been defunding programs that protect black and brown communities during natural disasters. That's true because he cut in his proposed budget, the 2018 fiscal budget, he uh, cut millions of dollars out of FEMA. Okay. And you, and FEMA is, is one of the entities that's responding to this disaster. Okay. So let's continue here. Uh, he has been defunding programs that protect black and brown communities during natural disasters. She said, we stand in solidarity with Houston. We're sending love. Okay, so uh, this article is written by Daniel Marins for Huffington Post, Black Voices. Check out this article. Activists face rain and security threats as 10-day march against white supremacy continues. Activists face rain and secu- security threats as 10-day march against white supremacy continues. Okay. Um, on Facebook, 
Then it said black people need to mobilize and support the Orly Smith Cancer Research Foundation. We need to raise for her $30 million. Uh, hold on. It um, Facebook jumped out, went to the previous screen. I'll try to get that. Okay. $30 million. Uh, let me see. We'll try to get the uh, rest of that message. All right, just a minute here. Okay, so we'll continue here. Post your comments here. Um Let me try to go back to this. Okay, we need support to raise $30 million to support. Go to ynlbpco.com forward slash OLS dot php ynlbpco.com forward slash OLS dot php. Okay. Um, Okay, Dennis said Roland Martin interviewed her. Okay, good. I have to go. You can go to YouTube.com, YouTube.com, search for Roland Martin. I have to go. I have to look. Uh, I couldn't remember if he interviewed her or not. Um, so I have to go and look and see. Uh, I may have missed that uh, that interview. Um, I'm not sure. I may have seen it. I'm not sure. Then it says she is the physicist that has developed an alternative for treating cancer. Okay. Oh, you're saying Roland interviewed her. Yeah, I saw that interview. He interviewed the physicist who uh, came up with the alternative for cancer. Yeah, I saw that interview. I thought you were talking about uh, dealing with the uh, 10-day march. All right. So let's continue here. Um in the email, you can sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828, so you get the email newsletters because I've been sending out two a day, uh, one or two a day. Colorlines.com has a good article. Uh, and also the root.com had an article regarding this as well. Uh, but the root had one from um, Charles Ellison dealing with um, is the uh, is the uh, are the supplies uh, are the resources getting to the right people in uh, Texas the the, the uh, rescue uh, efforts behind uh, Hurricane Harvey okay uh, he had an article about this uh, a couple of days ago uh, from from the root.com and colorlines.com had an article dealing with um, let's see colorlines.com had an article how to donate money and other aid to communities of color in Houston how to donate money and other aid to communities of color in Houston a list of charities and organizations working to keep immigrant, black, Latino, and other populations safe after Hurricane Harvey, okay? 
That's at colorlines.com, how to donate money and other aid to communities of color. All right. Um, We'll post this link here on the thread of the broadcast. They talk about the Black America Web Fund. That's where I'm going to donate, Black America Web Fund. Uh, That's blackamericaweb.com. That's um, Tom Joyner. Blackamericaweb.com Relief Fund benefits individuals and families who are victims of publicly declared disasters. Tom Joyner founded it following Hurricane Katrina in 2005, and he has donated uh, $20,000 to it in the wake of Hurricane Harvey. I think when, when this article, I think I think um, um, a lot more has been donated from Black America Web. Uh, this article is from August 29th. Um, and since then, I think Black America Web has uh, raised more money. Uh, I, I was on BlackAmericaWebs.com on their website earlier today. So I think they've raised a lot more money since this article came out August 29th. Okay, so we posted that link. Check that out uh, also. Uh, colorlines.com, how to donate money and other aid to communities of color in Houston. So Charles Ellison who writes for the root.com. He has an article from um, Friday, August, uh, September 1st, making sure your Houston relief money is going to the black folks who need it most. Isn't easy. Making sure your Houston relief money is going to the black folks who need it most. Isn't easy. Okay. Uh, so you can check out that article as well. He talks about, he, he was also interviewed this morning. On Politics Nation, Reverend Al Sharpton, MSNBC, talking about this same issue. And in the article, he says, uh, meanwhile, Houston-based Forbes senior editor Christopher Hellman wasted no time calling for a FEMA buyout of flooded homes, which is really a rallying cry for for full-scale property owner windfall and redevelopment, quote, buying up the deepest corners of the floodplain makes enormous sense. Landowners get enough money to start over somewhere else, end quote. So you have concerns that this will be an opportunity for gentrification to take place in Houston like it did in New Orleans behind Hurricane Katrina. Also in New Orleans, you had a wiping out of the public school system, and they went all charter schools, from from my understanding, in uh, New Orleans as well. Okay, Um, yet more than 40 percent of Houston residents actually rent since they won't get uh, since they won't be getting a buyout. What happens to them? Um, Honestly, there are a lot more folks down here in Texas who have no problem that this hurricane hit, said Ricky Keys, a national financial literacy advocate and founder of When Ends Don't Meet, When Ends Don't Meet. Uh, Ricky Keys, along with his family was displaced to Texas in 2005 by Hurricane Katrina. So you have somewhere around 40,000 people who are still in Houston, Texas, who were displaced from Hurricane Katrina. You had about 250,000 people displaced from Hurricane Katrina in Louisiana who went into Houston, and about 40,000 are still there today. These people view this as an economic boon, this is a major economic development opportunity. Think about Katrina. That was an economic boon for the New Orleans area, but only 
for certain areas and for certain people, end quote. Check out this article from uh, that um, Charles D. Ellison wrote on Friday, um, September 1st. Making sure your Houston relief money is going to the black folks who need it most isn't easy. Making sure your Houston relief money is going to the black folks who need it most is not easy. Okay. We'll take a quick break. Uh, we'll be back in about three minutes here. Listen to the African History Network show. Uh, broadcasting on the Blog Talk Radio Network and um, our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network. Um, be sure to visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We have a few hours left in the uh, uh, 48-hour sale. You get my latest bundle pack, um, Reclaiming the African uh, Mind bundle pack. It's a six DVD set. Uh, regular price is uh, valued at $85. It's on sale $25. The DVDs in the bundle pack are The Distortion of the Legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The Revolutionary Will Not Be Televised on the Television. That is a, um, I did that in January 2017. Uh, Great African Women in History, The Mothers of Civilization. That's a four-hour, two-DVD set. Did that February 2017. Ancient Kemet, The Winter Solstice and the History of Christmas. Did that December 2016. The Light of Ancient Egypt Awakens the African Mind to Economic Empowerment. Did that February 25th, 2017, during African American History Month. I deal with a number of different topics in that presentation. Number five, you get African American resistance in the era of Donald Trump. Voter suppression, reparations, and high elections have consequences. There's uh, the three presentations on that um, DVD. I did that uh, May 27th, 2017, and July of um, 2017 also. And then lastly, the presentation I did June 24th, 2017. Malcolm X, 50 years later, why is he still relevant? Malcolm X, 50 years later, why is he still relevant? Okay. All right. So that's available right now at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And we posted the link here on the thread of the broadcast also. Um, you can check that out and order that today. Those are shipping out this week. All right. We'll be back in a few minutes. Hey, if you want to advertise with the African History Network, um, email us at info, I-N-F-O, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, info, I-N-F-O, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. If you want to advertise with the African History Network, we wish thousands of people uh, on our broadcast and our email newsletter as well. Uh, info, I-N-F-O, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We can help you market your small business, uh, your African-American small business, your your event, uh, your upcoming event, uh, et cetera. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll be back in a few minutes here. If you're an entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur who's tried to make do with secretaries and office admins, doubling as your accounting department, if you've struggled if you've with struggled bookkeepers who only know that entry and software functionality, but who always seem to make costly mistakes, they go undiscovered until tax time. If you've ever had if your CPA find your bookkeepers reporting to be completely useless for tax filing, if you've ever if you've been ever disappointed, been disappointed by, an by an accounting bill that seems padded seems with unnecessary billable hours, and you're not even sure what you got for all those hours, or if you're a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes, keep listening. 
we helped a guy with a cell phone and a truck grow a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home building and commercial contracting company licensed and operating in three states. That's just one example of a tangible transformation new business solutions brought to an entrepreneur with unrealized potential. If this isn't what you think of when you think of accounting, management, and advisory services, then listen closely. If you're ready for clarifying financial information, industry-specific management advice, and having a partner on your advisory team with a vested interest in helping you grow and achieve your goals, you're in the right place. We specialize in bringing focused clarity to owner-operators through transformative, comprehensive accounting and management advisory solutions. Through reporting analysis, we work with you to recommend and help implement the sales, administrative, staff development, accounting, technology, and operation solutions to help you improve efficiency, create loyal employees, give you back your free time, and help your company grow and become more profitable. Contact us and learn about our revolutionary flat rate pricing model. There's no slow service to justify billable hours, no nickel and diming headaches. And best of all, it's a model completely customized around you and designed to deliver answers and put results in your hands. If you're ready to alleviate the challenges holding back your potential, message or call now to schedule your free consultation. All right, visit, visit newbusinesssolutions.com, newbusinesssolutions.com, okay, uh, and find out more how they can help you with your small business. Okay, uh, I want to go to this last story here. Uh, this comes from newsone.com, okay, and this deals with uh, Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill. So we know that Andrew Jackson's on the $20 bill now who's a slave owner, white supremacist, President Andrew Jackson. Hero of Donald Trump. Imagine that. Not surprising. And it's been Stephen K. Bannon, who's been teaching uh, Trump about Andrew Jackson. Uh, and we see that from uh, some stupid remarks that Trump made about Andrew Jackson also in an interview uh, a few months back. Okay. So... Um, this article here is future of Harriet Tubman, future of Harriet Tubman, $20 bill threatened by Trump administration, future of Harriet Tubman, $20 bill threatened by Trump administration and yet another face in yet another about face under Trump. The treasury secretary says he's uncommitted to honoring the slavery abolitionists. All right. So uh, it was just a matter of time. Uh, president Trump's uh, obsession. Now he's not my president. I don't call him President Trump unless it's in the article I'm reading. Um, but uh, it was just a matter of time. Um, uh, Trump's obsession with undoing progress achieved under President Obama turned uh, to the plan to add some color to the U.S. currency. Okay, 
turn to the plan to add some color to U.S. currency. So the Washington report, the Washington Post reports that Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin on Thursday said he will not commit, he will not commit to Obama's plan of putting an image of slavery abolitionist Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill, okay? So the Hill.com also tweeted on Friday, August 31st, Mnuchin, I may scrap plan to put Harriet Tubman on $20 bill. Now, I'm not sure if Steve Mnuchin knew who Harriet Tubman was before this. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think Donald Trump knew either. Donald Trump would probably say Harriet Tubman is doing a great job and she's getting uh, she's being recognized more and more uh, each day. I see now also, like he said, Frederick Douglass back uh, February 1st, 2017. Okay, so under uh, Obama's proposal, Harriet Tubman will replace President Andrew Jackson's image, which would move to the back of the twenty dollar bill. It would uh, make Harriet Tubman, who led numerous slaves to freedom, the first. Uh, African-American on U.S. currency, okay? Now, uh, Steve Mnuchin, uh, Treasury Secretary, said in an interview with CNBC that he's not focused on that right now, adding, quote, the issues of why we change it will be primarily related to what we need to do for security purposes, end quote. The issues of why we change it would uh, be primarily related to uh, what we need to do for security purposes, quote unquote. Now, it's no surprise that Trump is leaning uh, and, like, and likely has already decided toward keeping Andrew Jackson as the only portrait on the $20 bill. The seventh president became wealthy from his uh, slaves as well uh, and was behind the forced relocation of Native Americans and what became known as the Trail of Tears. So it was in 1830 that uh, Andrew Jackson signed the Indian, Indian Removal Act, which pushed the Choctaw, Chickasaw, Creek, Cherokee, and Seminole Indians off their land in the southeastern United States, and they all went out west on what was known as the Trail of Tears, okay? And they all go into Oklahoma, and they take their black slaves with them because all uh, five uh, nations of the uh, civilized uh, tribes, they all own black slaves also. Okay, they all own black slaves as well. All right, so uh, back to this article. Okay, so Trump told NBC News in April of 2017 that he has a great he he's a great admirer of Andrew Jackson and believes the plan to replace him with Harriet Tubman is about political correctness. Well, no, it's not about political correctness. First of all, if you study Andrew Jackson, Andrew Jackson was against paper money in the first place. Now, this is something probably Donald Trump doesn't know because he has a poor understanding of history. But when you research this, Andrew Jackson was against paper money in the first place. And some people suspect that putting Andrew Jackson on the $20 bill was a way to get back at him and a way to mock him in the first place. All right. Um. And this was not about political correctness. This ties into the 100th anniversary of women having the right to vote. And this was an uh, initiative organized by a group called Women on 20s to find, um, um, to, to, to honor a significant um, historic female figures in American history and put them on 
uh, American currency. Okay. So I'm trying to pull up one of the articles because um, the first article I read about this was by Kirsten West Savali for the root.com. Um, and uh, let me see if we can pull up an article about this. All right, well, let me see. We can probably get uh, an article about Harriet Tubman on a $20 bill. Let's see here. MSNBC had one. The Root, okay, The Root had one. This may have been one for Kirsten. But I, I first found out about this in April of 2015, Okay. And uh, there are a number of articles written about this. I've dealt with this in the past. And the root changed their um, changed their damn platform. So all these bookmarks, because I have at least I have at least three thousand articles bookmarked. All these bookmarks have changed. So we'll pull up this article here. Hold on. Okay. Man, outlets piss me off when they do all this. I have to go back resell these damn bookmarks. All right, well, we'll pull up an article because they have one. Uh, uh, Harriet Tubman to be the new face of the $20 bill. And uh, Mary Anderson also was going to be on the $5 bill along with Dr. King on the $5 bill as well. So, just a second, we'll pull that up. All right. Okay. That article's coming up now. That's from The Root. Uh, Brianna Edwards has an article from April 20th, 2016. Harriet Tubman to be new face of $20 bill. MLK and Mary Anderson to be honored on the back of the $5 bill. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, this was uh, April 20th, 2016, and this was announced by the Secretary of Treasury at the time, Jacob J. Liu, uh, said during a press call Wednesday that the $5 bill will be redesigned and will feature images from the Civil Rights Movement, historic events that occurred on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, including Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech, in a 1939 performance by opera singer Marian Anderson. President Abraham Lincoln will remain the face of the $5 bill. So they were going to be on the back of the uh, $5 bill, okay? And um, this was an initiative uh, pushed by Women on 20s, uh, Women on 20s initially. So I first found out about this in April of 2015, okay? Uh, we'll post a link to this article here on the thread of the broadcast also here on Facebook. So you can check that out, get some background uh, information on this. All right. Okay, so back to this article from uh, uh, news1.com. 
So the seventh president became wealthy for his slaves and was behind the forced relocation of Native Americans in what became in what became known as the Trail of Tears. Uh, Trump told NBC News in April of 2016 that he's a great admirer of Andrew Jackson and believes the plan to replace him with Tubman is about political correctness. I would ask him, well, Andrew Jackson was a white supremacist who thought that African people were inferior, who enslaved African people, and he pushed Native Americans off their land so he could, so so the U.S. could take their land and grow crops. So what is it that you admire about this guy? So what's next? There's no plan to add images of memorable moments of the Lincoln Memorial to the $5 bill, the International Business Time reported. Uh, they would include civil rights leader uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., African-American opera singer Marion Anderson, and former First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt. So you can check out this article, um, NewsOne.com. This is from uh, now News One. They don't put the damn date to these articles on here anymore. It pisses me off. So it says posted three days ago. Um, I hate that. So this is from what the 31st or the first one of those. I hate that. Put the damn dates on these articles. Okay. People use these for research and references. Okay. So let me make sure we I dealt with all the topics here. All right, so we're about to get out of here because we're going on three hours. Okay, so um, hey, be sure to register for the online course that I teach ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. There's a 12-hour, six-week online course that I teach. We deal with thousands of years of, of history, thousands of years of African history. And when we deal with the transatlantic slave trade, we can't deal with it episodically. We can't deal with it as an episode in history. We have to deal with it chronologically. Um, we have to deal with the 800-year occupation of, of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors. We're going to bring Europe out of the Dark Ages with the teachings they take in to the dark continent Europe. They take the light from ancient Kemet the light from Africa into the dark continent Europe. And this sets up Columbus to set sail on his four voyages starting August 3rd, 1492, when he set sail on the Nina, the Penta, and the Santa Maria. We also have to deal with uh, Columbus, um, Columbus and his four voyages. And we also have to deal with the fact that African people are uh, the original people of North, Central, and South America. We've been in South America at least 56,000 years ago. We've been here in this land we call the United States of America at least 51,700 years. The Khoisan had the oldest DNA on the planet, and they come from southern Africa. They're the ancestors to the Ainu and the Twa. They were here in this land we call the United States of America going back at least 51,700 years. So when we deal with the transatlantic slave trade, we have to take all this into account, and we have to deal with things chronologically. We can't deal with the transatlantic slave trade as an episode in history. We can't start in 1619, August 20, 1619. We can't even start in the 1520s when the Spanish are taking Africans into the territory we today call South Carolina because that was Spanish territory before that became part of the Union. Okay? We can't start in 1440 when the Portuguese get involved. We have to deal with thousands of years of history and understand how historical events don't happen in the vacuum. They are the, they are the culmination of a sequence of historical events that take place and lead up 
to a particular event happening, okay? So you can register for that at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. It's a 12-hour, six-week online course. All the sessions are recorded. They're on demand. You can join us live for the classes on Friday, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you miss anything, you can go back and watch it over and over again. As soon as you register, the course is only $40, right? As soon as you you register, you can um, watch the first four sessions, and you'll be ready for session five coming this Friday, okay, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And there's about 20 hours of bonus content you can watch as well, all right? And um, also we have the Elementary Genocide Bundle Pack. You get all three installments of the Elementary Genocide, the documentary series from director Raheem Shabazz. The latest one is Elementary Genocide Part 3, Academic Holocaust. I'm featured in that one. We have a bundle pack where you get all three of those um, documentaries and three of my presentations for $50, regularly $60. We have the Hidden Colors Family Bundle Pack and our website also. And we have the um, Black Friday documentaries as well. You see my Black Friday shirt here. I'm featured in those documentaries also, dealing with, dealing with economic empowerment for African Americans. Okay, look, we got to get out of here. Hey, remember at the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it corrects wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you have been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Uh, remember, right now is correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. I'll talk to you next time. Peace. Yeah. Turn up the headphones just a little bit. The world is changing.